Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. And this is Mick Mulcahy in for Neil for this week. He returns uh, this time next week after a one-week break. Now then, let's look at the morning papers. The Star's front page has Omni Shambles. There are varying degrees of uh, scaring and uh, placating, I suppose, on the uh, front pages today. Omni Shambles, though, says the Star, the booster jab chaos at centres despite race to beat Omicron, Omicron uh, strain. The shambolic scenes at two vaccination centres, which left people queuing in the cold for up to five hours, could see the public lose confidence in the booster campaign. Uh, a TD has warned red-faced HSE officials have apologised for the chaos caused at the show centre in Swords in North Dublin and the City West Convention Centre yesterday. Huge crowds gathered there and lined up for hours to get their booster shot to protect against COVID-19. COVID vaccine centre Fury also has the mirror on their front page. Q cannot be serious. Uh, that's an old play on the uh, the tennis line, isn't it? From uh, who was that who said you cannot be serious? Uh, thousands line up in cold for hours, sparking warning of jabs snub. And uh, there are pictures to prove it on the front page and inside the mirror. Huge queues of the walk-in uh, vaccine centres could deter people. From getting a jab, a TD warned yesterday. Uh, no escape town. The Munster rugby squad, as you heard in the news with Kira, uh, are stranded in Cape Town. And uh, that's amid an Omicron panic with at least one player testing positive for COVID. Rugby stars, including Simon Zebo, are among 147 Irish people stuck in South Africa due to travel chaos caused by the new virus variant. Transport Minister Eamon Ryan said yesterday the government is considering chartering a plane to rescue Irish people who are struggling to get home. He said we obviously have to manage that and uh, be careful as well when they are home. So it's possibly get them home and quarantine them uh, exercise to get them heavily tested. Almost 150 Irish people are stranded in South Africa, including the Munster rugby team. Uh, it comes as queues formed outside vaccination centres yesterday here at home. The new variant is likely to be here already, says the mail on its front page. Experts are trawling through cases from the past month for signs of the strain. The new Omicron, it's called Omnicron in a couple of papers, by the way. It's actually the Omicron COVID strain is highly likely to already be in the country, a public health expert warned last night. Scientists here are currently analysing previous COVID cases from the past uh, for about a month or so for signs of the worrying variant. The latest setback in the fight against the coronavirus comes as two leading disease experts acknowledge Omicron is likely to be here already. And uh, with ministers here having said the strain is an unknown quantity, experts in South Africa have urged world leaders not to panic. And don't panic is one of the uh, major headlines uh, in the papers as well today. Uh, no new travel curbs planned as Omicron spreads across Europe. Schools are facing chaos as staff absences soar ahead of a decision on masks for pupils as well. This is the independent front page. The government is anxious to hold off from bringing in the major new travel curbs in any form, despite the looming threat of the Omicron variant. Sources said two to three weeks will allow scientists to analyse the new variant, which has triggered strict uh, uh, triggered strict travel rules across Europe and the UK. I think it's only the UK, actually, that's uh, banning flights from South Africa at the moment. However, this is subject to public health advice and coalition leaders meeting again uh, with the main figures from NEFA today in crunch meetings. They're going to discuss findings from the epidemiological surveillance team, which met also over the weekend. And Irish travellers are exempt from UK travel restrictions, so says the examiner. 
People travelling from Ireland to the UK will be exempt from the new COVID-19 restrictions in travel to combat the Omicron variant. Tougher measures, including PCR testing, going to be introduced for arrivals to the UK from tomorrow. However, the rules will not apply to common travel areas, CTA, which covers Great Britain, Northern Ireland, the Republic of Ireland and the Channel Islands. Uh, this is a kind of a non-discriminatory um, disease or uh, virus um, doesn't pay any respect to common travel areas, really. But Foreign Affairs Minister Simon Coveney welcomed the move and clarified that travellers from Ireland to, U- to the UK will not be affected by the measures against the new COVID-19 variant. Don't panic uh, is the headline uh, that goes against all of the other ones, and that's on the Echo front page. The variant is a concern, but GPs urge caution. We're going to be speaking uh, to uh, Dr John Sheen as well, the former Lord Mayor who's a GP in Cork uh, in a few minutes' time. But GPs in Cork have said that while preliminary data on the new Omicron variant of COVID-19 indicates it's potentially more transmissible than variants to date, people should not panic. Dr Nick Flynn of My Cork GP operates a GP uh, practice in Hollyhill and said that Omicron is a variant of concern, but there is much more still to learn about it. There's going to be variants. There's going to be variants for the next two or three years, maybe more. And with each variant, the question will be, is it more transmissible? Will people get more sick? And does it escape uh, the vaccines? Or is it prevented by the vaccines? With this one, it looks like it might be more transmissible, but there are no reports of people being more sick with it. And we don't know about the vaccine escape yet, but clearly it's a vaccine of concern because of how many mutations on the spike protein that there are. 30, as opposed to uh, Delta, where there was 13. And uh, nobody really knows the clinical significance of that yet. So I guess they're all scrambling for some definition there. Average case for COVID cases in Cork is 33. It's amazing. All of the main headlines are COVID-related today. Uh, you know, almost two years into this pandemic, 20 new outbreaks of COVID-19 were reported in the HSC South region, which comprises Cork and Kerry, in the week ending November 20th, and the outbreaks were identified across a range of different settings, including hospitals, schools and residential institutions. The government is mulling over charter flight to bring citizens from South Africa, says Paul Hosford, the political correspondent with the uh, Irish Examiner. Government leaders meeting with uh, NEFA today as concern growing about the Omicron variant uh, and set to discuss a full circuit breaker for children. Will this mean closing schools? I don't know. And good news for the Neil Prendival Show team who broke this story and Murphy reporting on the Echo front page that the Cork woman for whom €60,000 was raised through crowdfunding for private care for eating disorders is to begin treatment. Lisa Murphy is set to begin a 12-week residential programme in a private clinic in Dublin. She says the opportunity would not be possible without the support of the people who donated to the GoFundMe campaign set up by her concerned friends and family. She said, I can't express enough how grateful I am for the level of support and kindness the people have shown. So good news there, front page of the Echo. And on a different story completely, there's a new witness in the Sophie murder. Gardaí are seeking to ID a strange foreigner. Gardaí are trying to track down and identify a foreign man who was seen following tragic Sophie Toscan Duplantier on the day she was last seen alive. The new upgraded probe, led by a fresh team of detectives based in Recruitment County Cork, are taking seriously the evidence provided by former shopkeeper keeper Marie Farrell that uh, was revealed in award-winning director Jim Sheridan's recent Sky documentary on the unsolved murder. Miss Farrell claimed the man was waiting outside the shop in Skull uh, and acting suspiciously before he followed the young French mum of one up the road after she left the premises. And asylum seekers plea over permit. 
Uh, Breda Graham reporting in the Echo that Cork-based Indian, uh, Indian asylum seeker Nadim Hussain has renewed his call on the Department of Justice to issue him with an Irish residence permit one month after receiving assurances that he would not be deported. And to finish up, uh, on a struggle to recall faces, your big ego could be to blame. Uh, vain people with big egos and a sense of entitlement have poorer visual memories a study suggests they may struggle to remember faces and objects because of the way they focus on themselves, researchers have said. In the study, 1,435 participants were tested for levels of the grandiose narcissism personality trait, which involves pronounced self-focus, egotism, vanity, a sense of entitlement and a tendency to disregard the needs of others. In the first of six experiments, participants were briefly shown pictures of 40 men before being given other tasks to complete. They were then shown these photos again, as well as another 40, in random order, and asked whether they had seen each face before. Those who were more narcissistic tended to perform worse than their more modest peers. So maybe that's what's wrong with me. I'm terrible at remembering names. I'm terrible at remembering faces. And uh, maybe I could never be a politician in that regard. But there you go. 17 minutes past nine. The Neil Prenderville Show. That is coming up on 20 minutes past nine on this Monday morning, the 29th uh, morning of November. On line one, we have former Lord Mayor Dr. John Sheehan of Blackpool Bridge Surgery. Good morning. Dr. John, how are you? Morning, mate. How are you? Very good. Now, as if to kind of give uh, a little balance to what would seem like sensationalism in the papers today, it's very, very stark, big letters and worry, worry, worry about Omicron. Let's try and bring a bit of balance here. It's not really going to change anything we do, is it? It, it really isn't. And paradoxically, Mick, it may actually um, <laughs> make us all up our game in terms of precautions and, you know, doing all the things like the masks and the social distancing and the hand washing that we're all fed up with doing. Um, really, the, you know, and you summed it up really well there. You know, there's three things about this. This is new, and there's about 200 variants that are floating out there. There's new variants every week, and we don't really hear about them. Um, this, is, this, this has come to our attention because it's gone from a variant of interest to a variant of concern. And the reason for that is, as you were saying, the spike protein is a bit different. And they're wondering, is it more infectious? And they don't really know that yet because the numbers have gone up in South Africa, but it's only small numbers. So they don't know whether it's more infectious or was it some crowd event that spread COVID more. The second question then is, um, is it more virulent? In other words, do we get sicker on it? And the third question is, uh, does the vaccine work against it? And so far, it seems the answer to the second two, that people don't seem to get sicker on it and the vaccine does seem to work. But we don't know and we need a bit of extra time. So that's why those restrictions have come in place. This will be in Ireland, I guarantee you. It's in Scotland, uh, you know, today we've heard it. So it will be in Ireland. But by putting in those restrictions, what they're doing is they're slowing down the spread of it so that we get a chance to understand it a bit better. And this may all fizzle out. I suspect it's not going to change anything we're going to do. Mm. In a way, what it might do is it might reinforce the importance of what we, sh- you know, what, what we all need to be doing um, anyway. So, I, you know, one message I really would get out there is, you know, um, keep going as you are, as the, you know, as the phrase says, keep calm and carry on, really. And, you know, you saw with the vaccines, you know, people uh, at the weekend trying to get more vaccines. That's great because, you know, that helps us because we're getting, you know, three and a half thousand, four thousand cases of COVID, which is the Delta variant at the moment. And that's really what we um, need to be focusing on. So we we should still be focusing on that. Now, in the past week, according to the press, uh, a heavily mutated COVID variant has been identified, 
rapidly labelled a variant of concern by the WHO, the World Health Organization. They named it Omicron. It's been detected in countries including the UK. It's a rapidly evolving situation, but its general profile has raised concerns. So, against all of that, of course, there's a shortage of real-world data. That means nobody has the complete picture on this. Uh, I was talking to a publican last week who said um, that he was asked, I don't know by who, not to order any stock for Christmas. And that's it. Somebody's really overreacting here. Is that what's happening around the place? I really think so, because I think fundamentally this isn't going, probably going to change a whole lot of what we're doing in terms of our precautions, our behaviour, our vaccinations, and all of those measures um, already. It's a bit like... Make, it's a bit like an alarm going off in someone's house or in a room in someone's house. You need to check it out. You need to watch out. But it may just be a, a you know a, a, a window that isn't closed properly or something like that. And really, that's what, what what essentially we're dealing with here. You know, we're not going to change our behaviour hugely. We're going to continue with the vaccinations. We're going to continue with the precautions. And we're seeing some of those measures having an effect already. We're beginning to come down from a sort of a five thousand cases a day down to sort of around 4,000, 3,500. The numbers being in hospital are down about 100 compared to about a week and a half ago. So, you know, those slight measures that we all take, that we all think, oh, that's not really going to make much of a difference, when you add them all up nationally, they do make a difference and they do seem to be having an effect. And that's really the message, we, you know, we need to get out to people. Mm-hmm. How much has the lack, if you like, of vaccine equity across the planet Uh, the distribution equity that has been very, very weighted uh, in terms of purchasing power, I suppose, Uh, the general wealth of the G7 nations, etc., against the less fortunate areas of the world. How much is that playing a part, do you think, in all of these uh, rising numbers of variants? It certainly is. And from day one, this was highlighted by the WHO that until everyone is safe, no one is safe. Because if, you know, Europe and the West is is, is all vaccinated, and then you have large areas of the world that aren't vaccinated, you're going to get more and more um, variants that are going to crop up and, uh, and spread. So it behoves on all of us as a society and the European Union to, you know, to support and to encourage and to get that, that, those vaccinations out to other countries. You know, it's not fair or equitable. Um, you know, that we we as a society take, say, oh, we're OK, but the rest of the world, off they go. That isn't going to work with COVID. We've seen how quickly it spreads right throughout the world. You know, we're all interconnected now, flights, travel, etc. Um, you know, so until everyone is safe, no one is safe. OK, that's a fair point. Also, now, the big pharma who, to be fair, for humankind, have rallied, have concentrated, have focused, have delivered um, various different vaccines here. Uh, and have had the big payday as well, if I if I may say so. H- how should they be impressed upon to say, maybe drop your patents now, maybe let every country in the world have your intellectual property, and maybe for the betterment of mankind, let everybody who wants a vaccine be able to have access to one. Yeah, I would fully support that, and I think the European Parliament have passed a, a resolution in that regard. I think the European Commission isn't in favour of it. I mean, the reality of it, Mick, is these countries in Africa are never going to be able to afford to pay, you know, pay big pharma. You know, it's just there just isn't the money there. So it beholds on all of us to come up with a way so that they can get the vaccines, that they can be delivered, and that they are supported. Because, you know, they're never going to be able to pay, pay the prices that, you know, the, the US and Europe and other countries um, are able to pay. So we have to come up either through support from the European Union, 
support from the companies, support from the other big countries throughout the world, the G7, and, and, and get those vaccines for those countries. And for a general public, Dr. John Sheen, who have become, you know, in effect, a little lackadaisical about the, you know, the sanitary measures, the washing of the hands, the wearing of the mask, we have, to be fair, had more, um, had stronger mask etiquette here than in most countries. What would be your advice to people now to, you know, generally get on with their lives, but to up their level of awareness? Yeah, that, that's exactly it. I mean, if you compare where we are this, this year compared to last year, last year virtually nothing was open, there was very few activities. So at least we're having some elements of normality um, this year. And, you know, next year it'll get a little bit better and after that it'll get better again. Um, so we all need to play our part and those small little things, those small sort of uh, things such as the ha- you know, the handshaking, the hugging, I, you know, it's really hard. Um, you know, the, the the face mask, the hand sanitizing, the distancing. It's just keep that going, you know. It's already making a difference. The numbers are beginning to come down, and that's fantastic because really the big concern you could see nationally was if we go into December with high numbers and with all the mixing that's happened, we could have another really bad year, uh, a bad Christmas. So the hope is by getting the numbers down that we can have a safe and enjoyable Christmas for everyone. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't want to uh, in any way dilute any concerns that people might have have over the Omicron variant, but uh, I note that the incidence of flu last year was severely reduced by people's adherence to the hand washing and the mask wearing, etc. Should they perhaps notionally treat this variant as maybe a bad flu that's coming our way? There's a bad bug going around, and to prevent myself getting it, I need to continue to wash my hands. I need to continue to fastidiously wear my mask in all public settings. Yeah, and I think that's, that's, that's very good advice because those habits and those behaviours... At the end of the day, this virus gets through uh, our mouth, our nose and our eyes. That's how it gets into our system. So if we're wearing masks, if we're doing the hand sanitizing, if we're keeping the distance, that's the thing that will protect us. The vaccine is very good at protecting us from getting very sick in terms of ICU and hospitalization. Um, It's not as good as protecting us in terms of getting uh, COVID-19. It's the other measures that will really make make a difference. So my message, you know, with all of this, with, with new variants, we're going to get these again and again and again. It's not really going to change what we're going to do on a day-to-day basis, but really it'll just serve as a reminder for all of us to keep our guard up and up our game. And how long more do you think in your professional capacity, Dr. John Sheehan? I know you operate Blackpool Bridge Surgery, just in case people are wondering, because you have a very sort of a, a gentle and logical way of putting things across. And I think patients would be very comforted by that. Uh, I'm not saying you're taking any patients on, of course. How long more do you think we are going to be hearing on the news and on radio shows such as this about COVID? Is it two years, three years? I, I think it'll be another another year or two, and I think it'll it'll probably end up a bit like the flu, where we get a, a vaccine once a year. It'll be circulating around. It'll probably become a bit more seasonal, where it become more active during the winter. Um, but I think it'll sort of go into that pattern. If we look back a hundred years ago, maybe to the flu pandemic. Event that eventually burnt out, um, and I think that's what will probably happen here. That um, it'll probably stay around, but it probably won't be as virulent. The vaccines will make a big difference, and it'll probably be that we'll have to get boosters every now and again, but we'll be able to get on with our All life. right. Uh, just got a few questions from the public, if you don't mind, Doctor. Will you ask Dr. John if you have it before, if you've got it before COVID, I imagine, can you still carry it? Yes. Yeah, you can, okay. and you can get COVID again, unfortunately. It's, it's not very common, but you certainly can. Okay. That's why they vaccinate people six months after having COVID. All right. And could you ask the doctor what are his thoughts on nightclubs with no masks, yet kids in school have to wear masks, says Nikki. 
Yeah, this is a big, a big concern nationally because you could say, oh, should we have, you know, 30,000 people in the stadium? Should we have concerts? What about young people? And, and the reality is you can make that argument pretty much for everything. The difficulty is, as we, you know, if we can change behaviour small, but they tend to make big differences. So there's a bit of a trade-off. You could close all nightclubs, but then that's... That, penalising one group who really suffered an awful lot. So, you know, they came in with the 12 o'clock, you know, compromise because, as we all know, things tend to go to pot a bit after 12 o'clock. Everyone's guard goes down and things like that. So there is a trade-off with all of these things. And you could argue for each, at each individual one of them, that, oh, that's not fair, we should be doing this. But overall, what they do is they would change your behaviour slightly and that makes a difference in the numbers and that's what we're seeing already. All right, one final question, Dr. John Sheehan. Uh, and you've already admitted that numbers are, you've already you know, told us that numbers are coming down from the 5,000 range into the 3,000 range. But here's a very valid question. Is anyone going to admit that COVID numbers are dropping because half the country are unable to book a test? If you can't get a test... You can't be counting the numbers. <laughs> well, no, that's a, that's a good point. And the, and the demand for testing has, has, has rocketed. But if you look at it, they're doing more testing now than they, they have ever done. So really, you know, although, you know, we, they need more capacity and they've added in another centre in Cork Airport here in Cork, um, the demand for testing, they're doing more testing than they were doing a couple of weeks ago. So really, you know, they would have found higher numbers given the number of tests that, they, you know, that they're doing. Okay. Uh, as always, great to talk to your former Lord Mayor, Dr. John Sheen, Blackpool Bridge Surgery. Thanks for coming on this morning. Thank Thanks, you. Mick. Okay, let's go to line two and James. Hi, hi James. Nice, how are you, boy? Very good. Uh, that's a very bad yeah. line. You're saying it's a storm in a teacup, this Omicron variant. Yeah, that's all it is. I mean, this Dr. Angelina Cortez from South Africa that discovered this variant had tests on. And she's a, she's a prominent doctor, also. She works not just as a GP, but she works within testing all these uh, diseases as well. And she said that. It was it was really mild and it, like this was there was no threat to anyone you know and yeah. I sent you in a copy of um, her, her her report and she was never worried about it and all this is another knee jerk reaction from the governments of Europe doing a shutdown and I just kind of wonder who's running Europe is it the governments Germany or is it Pfizer's you know um, it, it's getting frightening that every time one of these variants now come up we're going to shut everything down this is stupid. You know, yeah, you'd have to kind of ask the question. I know it, it, it can be seen as a little hypocritical here, but uh, are they using this variant as a mechanism to stop social interaction that would be, you know, multiplying over the Christmas period? Uh, to, you know, to let people Absolutely. stay at home, do a lot less of the intermingling that they would at Christmas time. Well, you ask yourself over the weekend, did people get scared of this uh, Omnicom? Did it, of course. Well, uh, did, did a lot of people make up their mind whether they should get the boost or not? Like last week, there was a booster hesitancy. I guarantee you that changed over the weekend once they thought Omnicom was coming to kill him. And yep. it is no threat to him. Well, I, I, I can safely say, if you walk into any news agents this morning, you don't have to buy any newspaper. But if you walk into a forecourt of a garage or whatever, of a, you know, of a petrol station, and you're going up to buy your bread or milk or whatever, and you pass the newspaper stand, you're going to walk out worried without buying any paper. The very sensationalist headlines we've gone through already this morning. Yeah, but that's job done by the uh, by Pfizer's. Um, I mean, cause they're controlling what they're controlling the government. They're just passing on the information. Uh, that's uh, that's a bit far fetched now. That that. Well, I mean, hang on a second. How was it? Because they're designing the drugs. They just told all the governments they can have a in ten weeks' time. They can have something to counterbalance Omnicom. Like they're already setting the pace. It's a variant. 
It's a variant of concern now, according to the WHO, but it's not something we should be overly worried about, according to GPs. And the, and the WHO said we don't have to worry about it either. I'd be more concerned about 6,000 staff missing in action from the hospitals and 12,000 staff missing in action from the schools. And I assume they're all in full pay. You know, I, I, I don't know why they won't go back. If you were working in a supermarket and you got COVID, you're back after two weeks. Uh-huh. And the government aren't too worried about this. And these are the people we need to, to teach our children and save our lives. Uh, in the interest of bringing balance to, to those headlines, James, and I know you'll agree with this, this is from the Evening Standard. Uh, the doctor who discovered Omicron says symptoms from the variant are extremely mild and has accused the UK especially of panicking unnecessarily. The UK government announced the introduction of masks in shops and on public transport and imposed new travel restrictions after two cases of Omicron, or just two, were detected in Britain. Now, I, I'm all for the masks, but uh, Omicron was first detected in Botswana. It sparked alarm among scientists over fears that it could be more contagious than other variants and resistant to vaccines. Um, but this, Dr. Angelina Coetzee, who's chair of the South African Medical Association, said the symptoms are extremely mild. Extremely mild? I don't know. And so why, why are they panicking? No, I do believe it's to keep the booster program going. Um, and, you know, as I'm from probably next week, they'll have the masks on the children and then they'll go straight to inject them. And remember, children don't need to be vaccinated. They've proven that, and the, the government will tell you they're going to be vaccinated, and yet we're chasing them. Like, it's a fair cry from World War One when fellas went off to war, and they had a picture of their child and their wife in their pocket, and they gave up their lives to protect their children at home. We're doing nothing short of putting a gun into our child's hand and putting them up over the trench. That's what we're doing. They don't need to be vaccinated, and we don't know the damage it's going to cause. If you have a child that has a heart condition, or you have a child that's sick, and they take this, what are we going to talk about next week? The child died, but he had underlying conditions? That's horrendous what we're doing. Mm-hmm. There's no, there no talk to this bear, get injections out. Like, they tell us every week that they know we're doing 45 to 50 deaths every week. And every week they tell you that it's old or compromised people are dying. If that's the case, why the hell are we injecting children? I was talking to somebody last night whose children are wearing three jackets and two masks in school because of the necessity to have the windows open. Yeah, but tell them going to the canteen for the teachers is probably warm in there. <laughs> I told us their windows are open in there. Yeah. Uh, and so one other point, there's no talk of people that are dying in Ireland of COVID except that they're all old and compromised. If that's the case, why are we giving the vaccination to our well, children? Yeah, we, says a text. Ask, ask one of your, ask Dr. Hoolahan about that. You know, I mean, why, I just really can't understand why we're injecting the children just by saying it's protecting the rest of us. I don't want any child to take something that protects me. I'm not afraid of dying. That's the first thing. If I die, I die. I won't do anything about it. But I certainly don't want to put any child's life at risk to protect me. So your, your, your main point here, James, is that the Omicron variant is being surreptitiously used to further the vaccine program into the younger ages. That's all it is. That's all. And they'll go further because you'll watch a program coming up now where they start supplying the vaccines to Africa because they need a new market. And, they, and, and without ever testing the Africans to see how they got on for two years without the vaccine. As I said, I can't see bodies falling all over the place in Africa. So, like, is the body's natural immunity doing better than Pfizer? I bet it damn sure it is. All right, James, we leave it there. Thanks a million.
All right, bye. Thanks. Thanks. Cheers. Bye-bye. 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 I actually feel sorry for the nation of South Africa being, uh, you know, being spotlighted here because they were one of the first to call for vaccine equity around the world. Vaccine equity would have killed the emergence of many, many more variants as we're seeing now. And I think in that sense, South Africa were proven to be right. And then they get a variant. They tell the World Health Organization. The whole world goes into alarm and panic mode. Uh, flights from South Africa banned into some countries. Uh, and it kind of, I kind of think it disincentivizes them from being honest in the future. That's just me, but you never know. Let's go to line six and uh, speak to Linus. Good morning, Linus. Yeah, Hello. Good morning, Mick. How are you doing? Good. Um, uh, just very quickly, you know, uh, all the adults and, and actually even children, like, you know, in the restaurants, pubs and everywhere, when we sit down at the table, they're allowed to take the mask, uh, regardless we eating or we talking or we doing anything else. But at school, when children sit down at the table, they still have to wear all masks. Is it a bit too much? Yeah, well, I guess there's no way you can eat or drink or talk. Well, you can talk, but you can't eat or drink without taking the mask off. But I do take your point. I, well, what, what is the difference? Yeah, but, you know? but still, exactly, you know. Uh, and the children sit apart from each other as well, like, you know, the same as in the different environments and all this. And uh, at school, everybody has to wear a mask. And another point, uh, I know we all saying, like, you know, they must, but at the moment, it's only a recommendation from NEFET and uh, from the government. It's still not a law. Like, if I say, like, my, my child tomorrow morning doesn't wear a mask at school, I'm still protected by law because it's not law yet. It's only recommendation. And I think they put that recommendation only for that reason, not to create a war yet mm-hmm. between people and government and uh, uh, schools, uh, principals and teachers and everyone, everyone who will try to implement this, you know. So is, is it actually a decree that children have to wear the masks in school or is it just no, at I, the discretion of each management board? It's, it's, it's only recommendation at this point. Yeah. Okay. Okay, Linus, thank, thanks for that. I've got lots of texts on, on the topic that I need to get to. Thanks okay, very much for cheers. coming on. Have a good day. Cheers, bye. bye-bye. On the Omicron, many, many texts. Does anyone know how the South African variant of COVID is now in Ireland and why our government can't prevent its transmission? Uh, proper scientists will tell you there's approximately 4,000 variants of coronavirus in the world at any one time. How are people still buying into this nonsense? I have to pinch myself sometimes. When is our government closing off Africa because of the new COVID variant, says another texture. Well, the CMO and Neffet are victimizing the children again, not wanting them to have sleepovers or play dates. Do they want to ban Christmas as well? Also, how many children are in hospital with COVID? Another texture says, I'm wondering, will Cork and Limerick be the first places in Ireland? to experience this new Botswana variant. The Monster team is in Pretoria for a match and are still stuck there, Pat. Thanks for that text. We've had many texts on Garth Brooks, which I'll get to later. Uh, Freezing in school, though, is uh, kind of topical to the uh, conversation at the moment. The hat and scarf of a school that have to be school branded. Um, That's a disgrace says our texter, considering these circumstances, they need to get a grip and ease up on the dress code. Uh, Make my daughter's in fourth year. Her gloves were confiscated last week because they were not school-issued gloves. Uh, you know, that seems a bit over the top to me as well. My kids' school is not allowing any jackets in class, even when it's freezing in class. The school insists that only the school fleece is allowed. The school fleece was only introduced this year. The school are not taking into consideration Families with more than one child in school. My son is even being sent to detention for not taking off 
his jacket on the school is freezing. And there is uh, acres and acres of text on this topic. It's really, really emotive. Uh, why is it that the teachers can wear their jackets, scarves, and sip warm drinks and in the same breath tell our children to remove their jackets? If the children are not allowed to wear jackets, then let's be consistent and tell the teachers to remove theirs. Surely our children can wear their jackets or else get them proper warm school fleeces if you want uniformity. Thank you. Make my boys do metalwork in school. In the class, there are two savage-sized doors which are kept open. It's like an icebox and they can't feel their hands. It's an accident waiting to happen. Plus, all the windows are open. The staff room has no window open. However, uh, when it starts to snow and it's flying in the open windows, what will happen then? And um, says Aaron Wolf, it sounds like another teacher with a future in politics. That's in reference to a call that Neil took, I imagine. Um, uh, this is one to Neil as well. Neil, they're turning the heat off in schools nationally. This is an orchestrated approach to freeze the children for the next two weeks. So when the injections are available for the children, uh, there'll be a big uptake. Only after they are injected, Will they close the windows? Shame on everyone. On that topic, we have Diana on line one. Morning, Diana. Hi, good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. Uh, it's Mick, actually. You've got a good idea for the schools uh, who are operating in the cold. Yes, like, it is crazy to make kids be sitting in a dress with three jackets on for the whole day. I mean, at the very beginning, it was set the writers this week. So... Literally, all they need to do is set up UV lights in classrooms so kids can be sitting in a warm classrooms for the day without the jacket. If they want the mask, fine. But I mean, UV lights would kill the virus. Okay. And if any child would come in the classroom and have the virus, the moment it exhales, the virus would be killed by the UV light. So is that, is that a fact, that the UV light would kill the virus? Well, if you Google it, you'll find that, yes. It's being killed by UV light. Okay, that would seem to be an ov- an overall solution to the world's problem here. If uh, I, I can't imagine UV light killing coronavirus, but look, I'm open to open to the suggestion. I know the UV light would probably give a little bit more warmth in the classroom, uh, and that would and be a great solution. Warm as well. That's another thing. Yeah, but okay. like, I've been researching a lot about the coronavirus, and you know, in dark evenings when there is nothing else to do, just having my own thoughts of what could be another best solution for it. Okay. And that's what it says, UV light kills the coronavirus, because at the very beginning it was said that it's a very weak virus, and it can sustain a lot of things, and UV light is one of them. Okay. Diana, listen, thank, thanks a million for your call. It's a... It's a very, very noisy line, but thank you for the point you're making. And, sorry, I'm uh, we, on the way to work. Uh, no problem. Have a great day at work. Thanks a million. You do. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, bye bye. Morning, Mick. It's horrific. Why not leave the kids leave the kids inside the pod they're in and the class they're familiar with, rather than throw them out into the yard at lunch, mixing with everybody. My daughter suffers from low sugar levels and literally shakes with the cold. They're all outside eating their lunch in wind, cold, rain, all huddled around. My daughter's SNA has to stand and watch her. She's in first year, so 155 new pupils all thrown in together at lunch. It is so, so wrong. She is outside with a flask of hot chocolate, sharing it with friends. And in her words, uh, these are her words, Mom, we feel homeless, standing around in the cold with a flask sharing. It's degrading for them. I've got her all these stormproof shoes, coats, underlayers, hats, gloves, shoes, etc. But uh, you should be allowed to sit in the warmth having your lunch. Just let them work from home in warm surroundings. Where are the human rights here? I would love to come on air, but working in a busy GP surgery where all we have is sick kids from being outside 
frozen. I wonder will they open all the windows and uh, turn the aircon down to freezing in Doyle Aaron. In the grand scheme of things, uh, this is another texture. Uh, who cares what colour or style of jackets are worn in school? Leave the kids wear whatever they need to keep warm during these crazy times. Educate them on the effects of bullying and the importance of being kind to try and tackle the pressure to wear brand names. Most young people already have warm coats that they wear outside of school, so it shouldn't increase the cost for most families. I work in a training centre for early school leavers. The young people don't wear uniforms and can wear whatever they feel comfortable in. Thankfully, we've never had any problems relating to this and they focus better when they are comfortable and when they are warm. Uh, so there's much more flexibility needed during COVID times. Now, I heard Neil last week uh, saying I'd be uh, carrying this promotion forward on his behalf and delighted to do it. It's all about Christmas Irish hampers. The deluxe Irish hamper Neil is talking about contains all your favourite Irish foods together with the essential Christmas selection box at forty nine ninety nine, And it contains potatoes and meanies and hula hoops and Cadbury's and lines, tea and north, uh, farmhouse vegetable soup, Cadbury fingers, double decker, dairy milk, fudge, buttons uh, and uh, much, much more as well. That's, this is the Christmas Irish hampers and these deluxe hampers will contain all of your favourite Irish foods and many more so you can treat a loved one this Christmas. And if you would like uh, us to send a hamper then please do get in touch uh, and you can do so. Uh, by phone on 1850 and by text and WhatsApp on 086 8104 And I'm going to get into that in more detail uh, before the end of the programme. And right now, the time is 13 minutes to 10 o'clock. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Nine minutes to ten and just like home.ie are supplying the Christmas hampers to the Neil Prendival show this year and this uh, promotion is really designed if you're listening overseas. Uh, give us uh, an email, drop us an email, drop us a line, tell us what you're doing, uh, tell us what you're up to for Christmas and if you can come home and like a, would like a little taste of home then just like home.ie will be able to provide that through the Neil Prendival show. So Neil at redfm.ie if you've got a little bit of a story or something uh, special going on for Christmas or even if you just want to say hello to all of us and to all of the care, uh, your kitten kin back home here in Ireland, then please get in touch at neil at redfm.ie. Now, let's go back to the topic of uh, freezing cold schools and to Bridget Larkin. Hi, Bridget. Hi. Hi, Nick. Very good. You're, you're at pains to tell us your age in your email. Do you want me to give that out? Oh, I don't mind at all. You're a 70-year-old and not a Corconian, and you say, I hope you won't hold that against me. Nothing held against Absolutely. you whatsoever. Thank you very much. So, to tell us your story. Yeah, well, um, I, I went to school in a small country school near the Curran County Kildare. And there were, two, as I said in my email, there were two rooms, two big open fires. Every October, a delivery of turf would come. And the children, myself included, would throw it into the shed. And then when it was cold enough, we'd take it in armful by armful for the two fires. Now, the teacher's desk was up beside the fire, but the pupils were on long benches, you know, from the front to the back of the room. And I don't ever remember feeling particularly cold, but there was certainly frost glistening on the insides of the windows. Okay, you weren't exactly in the Bahamas then, sitting at the back of the class? Not in the Bahamas, absolutely not. (laughs) Okay, did you wear coats in the classroom back in the day? No. Okay. I can almost Whatever smell the classroom with the, have on you. with the. I can almost smell the classroom with the with the black turf uh, burning Absolutely, burning yeah, in the hearth. Yeah. Well, I would like that anyway because uh, we're very near the Bog of Allen here, and my father always cut his own turf. Mm-hmm. 
So that's how we would have heated the homes as well. Is that a practice that's banned now? It is. There's there's a derogation for some families who live very near the bog um, and they get, I think, some financial compensation for not being allowed to, to cut the turf. But no, it, it, it's, it's dying out. Okay. So would you be telling the kids today, if they're freezing in the class, that they're being cosseted, they're being mammied a little too much, that a little cold is better than a little COVID? I think a little cold is certainly better than a little COVID and I approve of the, of the fresh air coming in. On the other hand, people's homes are warmer now. So they're used to, you know, a higher level of heat. So, you know, it, 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 it's tough that the schools are cold. But I think maybe, um, and I think it would be help the climate change as well if they were to gradually reduce the level of heat. And certainly the windows will have to be kept open. I know it's um, letting the heat out the windows, I have to say. But nonetheless, I do think that um, on all levels, if it's going to combat this surge in COVID and it's going to stop young children catching COVID, then I think a little fresh air won't do them an awful lot of harm. I know, but there, well, there, yeah. there, there are mammies and daddies listening now probably screaming at the radio. This is not fresh air. This is like being in a freezer. Uh, with wind whistling through the place, with, uh, you know, sometimes rain coming through. Kids with three and four jackets on them, two masks or three masks, just trying to operate, just trying to stay in some way, uh, retaining some body heat. Yeah, I, I think that, I mean, if, if a child has asthma or some underlying condition, certainly. But I really think that's a bit of an exaggeration. I, I mean, I, I worked as a teacher later on. And uh, we certainly had central heating in the secondary school where I worked, but it wouldn't have been roasting. Mm. It would have been. It would. Have, we would have had. You know, the the, the old aluminium windows. The oh, I remember the them. So that would have been. I'm sure you do. That would have been cold enough as well. Yeah, all, all the condensation on the inside. Yeah, one of your listeners. No, no, they wouldn't have red frost on them. One of your listeners last week was saying about um, that. Teachers can refuse to teach if the temperature goes below 17 degrees. That's true. Um, I remember that from my own teaching days. But, but, but I think... That but do, do the children have any rights then in that regard? Let's say the teacher's teaching at 14 degrees by choice. Do the children have any choice? They don't have any choice in this day and age, but um, at the well, pre-COVID, they certainly could have withdrawn your children and be perfectly within your rights if the temperature was too low. Mm-hmm. You've painted a lovely picture, though, and I appreciate that. I'm kind of reminded of the 1970 movie, uh, Ryan's Daughter. Remember the school there with the turf fire? Uh, you can almost That's smell right, the turf yeah. in that as well. Just brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you, do you miss, you miss like the old days, yeah? Do I miss the old days? Some things, but not everything, by goodness, no. No. I certainly don't miss the bat that. There was a bat then in the school in those days. What's that? The bat the stick. Oh, the stick. Oh, the stick, yeah. Okay, a cane sort of a thing, is it? A cane, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the bamboo cane. Yeah, there was plenty of teachers took perverse pleasure in deploying that instrument, I think. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I was All right. fortunate not to come across anybody that took a perverse pleasure in it, but it certainly happened. Yeah, Bridget, thanks very much for the reminiscing. Not at all. Thank and I, I think what you're saying is yeah, kids need to harden up a bit, and I know she, um, parents will take exception to that. Thanks a million. It's coming up in three minutes to 10 News is on the way. Hey, it's Kira. Tune in to Saturday Breakfast on Red FM from 7 a.m. and wake up your weekend with music, chats, and all that's happening in Cork. That's Saturday Breakfast on Red FM with me, Kira Revens. Get it off your chest. 
Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Let's get straight back to our phone lines and to Paul on line five. Hi, Paul. Hi, good morning. Now, you were in town on Saturday with your wife and you decided to go for a cup of tea and a sandwich. Simple, yeah, simple task, you know, just a cup of tea and a sandwich. Ma- you know. Many places you could go. Uh, so, be, you know, so anyway, um, in light of what happened, Paul, can we not mention the, the place you did go to yeah, have a bad experience? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I won't mention it now. All right, go on. Um, so anyway, you know, we, we went in, uh, we were asked for Hobbs Church, um, which we produced, you know, and, uh, you know, all about board. And then she said, uh, photo ID. And I said, what? You know, <laughs> you're having a laugh, you know. So, uh, yeah, she said, uh, it's government policy, you know. I said, Jesus Christ, you know. Uh, government policy, photo ID. I, I said, okay, fair enough, you know. But, but you know, I, I felt, I felt like, a, like, a, like, like, oh, God, I felt so small, you know. And uh, my wife was mocked. She was very embarrassed. And um, so, and uh, I said, are you serious, you know. She said, yeah, you know. So I said, you know, is this what the, what the country will come to, you know. Did you, have, did you have photo ID on you? And if you did, were you prepared I, to show I didn't, it? You know, I, I don't know how many carries. You know, I, you know, I haven't got a, I haven't, you know, even if I had a passport um, uh, ID uh, with my photo on it, you know, you're not supposed to be carrying that doors around with your eye license. So, so, you know, I just didn't have anything else with me, you know. Yeah, they're very valuable um, documents, you know. Well, exactly, you know, and you know, it's not something that I, and I have to lose in here. So you don't carry a passport uh, to go for a cup of tea and a sandwich. Well, yeah, exactly, you know. So I, I just said, you know, so I made a few references to uh, Nazi Germany and kind of <laughs> did your Can we see so, your uh, papers? Pardon? Can we see your papers? Is it? Yeah, well, you know, more or less. That's what it, that's what it felt like, you know. So uh, anyway, you know, we we we, we moved on um, to another establishment, fairly uh, close, very close by actually. And, uh, you know, did the girl just say, you know, Corbett's up, yeah, here you go. And um, photo ID, no, so she said, um, have you got so much on him? And so I said, yeah, I have a, I have a visa card here, you know, so she said, yeah, that's a website. I was going to suggest you don't actually need a photo ID if you're carrying, a, as you say, a visa card, a debit card or a credit exactly, card. Exactly, you know. With you know, your name on it. No stupid, you know, so here, yeah, no, you know, so I, I can go to a nightclub and I can go to a pub, you know, and, you know. And you know, we don't provide you know, and, and be in, in the most. I'm having a cup of tea and a sandwich, you know. God Almighty, you know. Yeah, I, 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 you know? I, I guess there are those who would argue that it doesn't matter what you're doing tea, sandwich, nightclub, drink, pint, vodka, whatever. Uh, if you're in company, uh, the real question that's being thrown up here is what is the standard requirement of people who are policing front doors in all businesses? to verify that those who are coming through don't have a forged or a borrowed COVID cert and are actually who they say they are so they can actually verify that they're vaccinated. Yeah, that's fine. You know, but we're in our 60s, you know what I mean? We're not, we don't look like, um, you know, you know the, old, the, old, the old thing before, you know, going to nightclub with, with somebody else's ID, you know. We're in our 60s, you know what I mean? They were having a cup of tea and a sandwich. You know, that's yeah. what these things in, put in context as well, you know what I mean? So, um, but I don't know if we, we felt really kind of um, small or very small. We said, geez, I've never seen past in my life, you know. And, so, uh, but, you know, in terms of the next establishment, it was kind of fine about it. It was the same yesterday. We went to a restaurant yesterday. And, um, you know, they, they asked us the same questions, you know. And, and you know, okay, you haven't thought already. No, I said, I haven't. So she said, again, I showed my visa. And she said, that's fine, you know. Yeah, so in, in other restaurants since then, uh, you've been made to feel like customers and not lawbreakers. Exactly, you know, as I said, look, we're in our 60s, you know, all we want was some food, you know what I mean? We weren't getting drunk or anything, or uh, we weren't fighting, you know, we were just looking for a sandwich and a cup of tea, the most basic thing 
you know, every, every most people do it when they go to town, especially around Christmas. You know, it's kind of a it's a nice thing to do. You know, but uh, mm. geez, you know. It was told, the moment was completely ruined for us anyway, you know? Yeah, well, I, I think every business, it behoves every business to look at those who are dealing with the public at front of house, at the reception stage, if you like, uh, and to make sure, you know, number, number one, that laws are being adhered to, but number two, that people are treated with a little bit of common sense and courtesy. For example, you know, you know, I worked at the dawn for, for a number of years, you know, and, uh, you know, so we're, we're used to looking at people's IDs, you know? And then you're looking at you're looking at the ID, you're looking at the person, you kind of say, yeah, yeah, that's him, that's him. You know, they look over over eighteen, you know, and you know you make a call on that, you know. But uh, it was just like, it was just a kind of a flat no, like you're not getting served here like, because you have no photo ID. You know, it's just found it ridiculous to be honest with you. Know? Okay, and and they must be turning away quite a few then because not everybody carries photo ID. I would imagine so. You know, I I just, I just don't get it. You know. You know, and you know, I, I just I've been listening to your show there all morning. You know, about the kids in school. You know, with, with uh, you know having two and three courts on, and 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 uh, what country coming to you know? I know. I, I, I you know, and as I said, the season going to make up. They can do. You know, I was I was in a, I was in a bar Saturday night, um, pretty busy bar, and you know, everything kind of walked away fine. Uh, uh, social distance, social distancing, and all this. You know, and uh, we all showed our COVID shirts in the rain. And then later on, later tonight, then, like, uh, you know, fucking DJ stopped it up and everybody just stopped milling around, you know, <laughs> just found it ridiculous. So who, who's pleasing it, you know? Okay, you know? And, 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 and like, and we couldn't go for a cup of tea in the you know? I know. All right, Paul, thanks a million. Okay. Thanks, All right, thanks a lot. I know, know Tony's been holding for a while in line one, so I'll get to him now. Hi, Tony. Hello, Mesh. How are you, kid? Very good, kid, and yourself? All right, I tell you, what I know uh, on the book, you know, Mitch, is that uh, I was going over Anglesey Street, they are small, about 10, 10 to 9 there, right? And mm-hmm. there were uh, four boys and uh, two girls, you know. They were between about 16 years of age, around that, like. But uh, I saw it before, but I said I'd have to do a call this about all the people that's fun in the book, their kids and what have they got, right? This girl there, she had uh, the vehicle, the uh, electronic, right? And what she was doing with this young fellow was transforming it from her own mouth into his mouth. It was like kissy, kissy before he walked the walk, like. Okay, so it's a, uh, like a virtual kiss, but it's uh, you're blowing what you're exhaling, which is full of carbon dioxide as well as whatever chemicals are in the vape, into somebody else's right. mouth. Yeah, she was blowing the vapor into him. You could nearly see him out to his ears. I think that's called a blowback. Oh, yeah, oh, definitely, yeah. like a bad exhaust, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Coming from the car. But, Mick, I want to say this, though, as I know, five weeks ago, there, I was uh, with uh, four friends and myself, five, right? Right. We were all late 60 to 70. Just wanted to say this, right? There was three of us got uh, the covers, and thank God I didn't, and one of the lads didn't get it. And the five of us was two, two to three feet apart. So where's it go from there, right? No, I have the, the what's called a stunt, the three of them done at the moment, like, and I mean, that's that's what it's all about. It's about get, getting it done, like, you know what I mean? Getting the, the two injections and then getting the booster. So you've had the two the two injections, the two vaccines and the booster? I, I, I have. How long since you had the booster? Is it over two weeks, huh? Uh, I have the booster, no, since uh, what's called last week, but that's what he wanted. I found with it. I, I was there, up there, you know, for the last four days uh, before I went up this morning. Uh, that it was a uh, bit dizzy and uh, weeping from the eyes. You know, mm. that's what I got. Let know anywhere. Do you feel more protected? They say, if you if you believe what they're telling you, that you're eleven yeah. times more protected. 
Yes, sir, but you are, you are, you are well protected too, like, I mean, this thing, that Barack, said there, like, going back two weeks ago when he was abroad. I mean, that was ridiculous. He says, what's causing this to fight for cent? I mean, come on now, come in, we all have a little bit of uh, upstairs, like, but uh, I don't think uh, the lift is going to the top with that chap at all. I'm bound to know what You know what I mean? And he have a medical background. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, Jesus, come here, I know that. Like, and you be saying, why, why is he in politics? Like, I mean, out of 166, there's over 40 doctors inside there. What are they doing inside in the doll? You know what I mean? So I mean, this... Mike, I'm going to say this to the other about the bells yesterday, short and sweet, right? There's a fellow there, like, uh, his name is Donnie O'Connell, right? Right. And he said he belonged to the bells one week, and he belonged to the Glen another week. But thank God the Glen got this last week. And that, that point I was given yesterday with two jacks here. I said they were well in. I said with the referee because the week before they had another referee and he was from the Bears Club. What do you think of that? Right, I don't, I don't follow it, so I, I can't really comment, but uh, happy to let you make your point, Tony. We, we keep up your golf and your rugby, like, you know what I mean? You know, you're <laughs> Tony, you're a star. So what, what, why do you reckon this girl was giving the boy the blowback? Is, is, it, uh, you know, is it a term of affection? Or was she trying to keep him warm, would you say? Oh, Jesus Christ, I, I don't know. I, I tell you something. The way he, he got that to the office for anyway, I say he could get a job off the gas company or his board in the morning. <laughs> One or the other. Like, uh, Tony, you're a star. Thanks a million. All right, Ted. I'll see you. Thanks. Keep it up. Cheers. Thanks very much. 17 minutes past 10. Hi, Mick. It's absolutely awful. Some families are so disadvantaged but expecting children to freeze in school because you want them to wear the same coats is just ridiculous. Let the kids wear their own clothes, layer up and keep warm. I think the principle sounds great, but he is just deflecting. Uh, this is in relation to um, a call Neil had, I imagine. All the children's welfare should be taken into account here. If the teachers can layer up with coats to their ankles, then so should children. This kind of treatment wouldn't be accepted in the workplace. Teenagers and children have been treated unfairly through this pandemic and on it goes. People will just say kids worked down the mines decades ago and went to war. But that wasn't right. So people should stop using those comparisons, says Gillian. So sad to hear teachers delivering food to families when our so-called leaders take pay rises over and over. Enough is enough. We need a serious overhaul of our government. They need to go, says a texture. As long as we have parents with a sense of entitlement, we will always have cold and hungry children. Uh, this one for Neil. Hi, Neil. I specialise in ventilation. If a classroom had a ventilation pipe, the heating could stay on and windows closed. It'd be worth a test against the monitor to see. That's uh, from Derek in Stainless Steel Kitchens. My son goes to CBS Middleton. The school introduced a fleece with school crest. I think it's €26. Euro, the only item of clothing that can be worn in addition to the uniform. If the kids are wearing their jackets walking to school, I don't understand that principal's argument over designer jackets. Uh, and just listening to the problems facing school children in schools at the moment, what I can't understand is why they're not protesting on the streets like they did over climate change. It makes you wonder who's really in control of them. And there are uh, other COVID-related texts I want to get to, just a couple. Uh, Neil, no wonder numbers are dropping. Uh, sure, people can't get a test anywhere. Easy for the numbers to fall when tests are be- aren't being done. The Claire Burns show on Monday had a banner behind her saying, two weeks to save Christmas. The government are upping their propaganda. Ironically, it's the people telling us the numbers in hospital and lack of beds are the ones who can actually fix that problem. But instead, they're sending us on a guilt trip. 
COVID is going away, according to the government and Neffet. What are the figures for last week? TDs, politicians and people working in Dáil Éireann uh, out sick with COVID. I know a school close to the city that has 100 pupils out with COVID since the midterm. Don't kid yourself with thinking this is gone. The government twists things to suit themselves. We have ministers for health and education that are a disgrace to those offices. And Micheál Martin has a lot to answer for, says Anthony. And one more. I wonder, is there any discussion about Cork-based employers where employees can and have worked from home at other uh, times during the pandemic, now ignoring the advice issued by Micheál Martin last week. These employer, employees are unnecessarily in busy offices. Was Micheál's speech merely a recommendation or is it a directive? Can companies blatantly ignore this recommendation? Is there much of this happening? Are there any implications for companies? What about the employees' concern for their jobs if they voice their concerns? I'm not personally impacted but I have a friend who is, so says Grace. We're back in a moment. It's 20 minutes past 10. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Monday morning on the Neil Prenderville Show. This is Mick Mulcahy. Neil is on a week's holidays returning next Monday. Now then, we have on the Neil Prenderville Show a fabulous set of prizes to give away. In fact, two 200 euro vouchers for home front giftware and interiors. Now it's a family owned Cork business established in Carrigaline in 1999 and now in six Cork locations. So wherever you are, uh, you'll be a uh, Quite close to a home front gift wear and interiors business. Carrigaline, Bandon, Middleton, Wilton, Douglas and in Blackpool. So what we're going to do to give away these vouchers is we're going to bring two callers on air. Not now, so don't call just now. We'll do it just before 11 o'clock and just after 11 o'clock. So be ready uh, in about a half an hour's time or thereabouts, okay? And we'll do another one then uh, shortly after news at 11. And give each person a chance to win a 200 euro voucher for home front gift wear and interiors. And we've two to give, to give away. One one between now and 11 and one after 11, okay? So what we're going to do uh, is we're going to see who gets closest to the pin. We're going to ask you a Christmassy type question and uh, we'll have two callers on air each time and each one will have a chance to uh, have their guess and whoever is the closest will win the 200 euro voucher for Homefront Giftware and Interiors. And they've got a brand new website as well called homefrontgiftware.ie. Homefrontgiftware.ie. So more on that between now and 11 o'clock. But to our lines again we go and to line six. And uh, good morning to Dennis. Morning, Mick. How are you? Good. Now you've got a passport issue. Oh, you have. Um, I just heard these issues dealt with on this show before, so mm. I figured send a quick email and see if we could help me resolve it. Let's um, see if we can. What's the story? Well, I, I was booking a flight there for myself and my son there to go to his first um, football match over in the UK um, this Thursday. However, um, when I was booking the flight there about six weeks ago, I noticed his passport was out of date by a month. Um, so I immediately um, went to renew it and being kind of the old-fashioned person I am, I done it by post. It, it indicated to me that there was a lead time on it of five to six weeks, which I, I figured, you know, it'd be safe enough we'd have it. Yeah. But I suppose with two days to go before I travel, I still don't have it. And when I went on to this tracker thing that they have, it's telling me the middle of December before I'd have it, which is obviously too late. Now, the issue I have with it is that there's nobody answering phones there, there's nobody answering emails there, or web chats or anything like that. So... I can't speak to anybody, obviously, and just if I was able to get an answer from somebody that I wouldn't have it by Wednesday, I could maybe go and book a ferry or something like that. But, you know, I don't want to go and pay for a ferry and then the passport show up that yeah, well, morning or something, you know. Can you travel on a ferry without a passport? 
Um, I have done before, so I figure, you know, just identification and stuff like that, I think is, is okay for ferry, but obviously I'd, I'd much rather um, fly over, you know. Yeah. Uh, what, what sort of ID would a nine-year-old have, though? Um, I have, uh, um, you know, the... P, uh, the PPS card, his PPS number card, okay. from, you know, you, 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 that kind of thing. No, I, obviously I haven't checked it out yet, but you know, I'll, just, I'll be checking it out if, if I have to go that way, down that route. But if I can't go that route, then it's it's basically a couple of hundred euros down the drain because you know everything is everything is already paid for hotels, museum, stadium tours, all that kind of jazz. You know. Okay, it's Man United. His his thing is it. Yeah, against Arsenal on Thursday night, so we're driving up to Dublin on early Thursday morning. We have an eight, supposed, supposed to have an 8 o'clock flight on Thursday morning from Dublin and flying back then again on Friday, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, we, you know, we've we've heard stories, and I haven't been on this programme since August or something, but I've we've heard stories, and I've heard Neil talking about it as well, that some people who apply online for the passport are getting it within 24 hours. Yeah, dude, like I said before, I was kind of... I'd be, I'd be old fashioned in the sense of I haven't actually got a passport in years because, you know, my one it was a 10 year one, the child's own would have been a five year one. So, you know, the online thing was kind of, um, was kind of alien to me when I was applying. I just got the form in the post office, like you normally do, fill it out, sign the pictures and send it away. And, you know, I suppose it was a bit of an oversight on my behalf that I, I, I wasn't savvy enough to, to do the online way, you know? Yeah. So this is obviously um, going to break the young fella's heart. Oh yeah, he's like we we were supposed to go about two years ago, but COVID hit, so he's been basically counting the days until COVID was gone and well not gone until we could travel again, you know, and get over to his first game, you know. And he's he's nine years old, so you know yourself um, how kind of into football nine years old, are, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and does he know any of this is going on? He actually, yeah, uh, he's he's asking me there every day when I check the school, did the passport come? Did the passport come? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, listen, you, you've been a very generous offer at the end of your email. You're saying, uh, if the Neil Prandival show can resolve this for me, I'll bring it back a match programme and happily donate €100 Euro to a charity of your choice. Um, you're still up for that? Yeah, definitely, yeah. Okay, we might have a little good news for you here from Aileen, all right? Well, we don't have a passport now or anything, uh, but okay. Aileen has uh, something that you might consider. Hi, Aileen. Hi, how are you? Okay, uh, you have some, some good news there for Dennis, have you? Well, I'm not sure. I'm just uh, wondering, is he flying with Aer Lingus or Ryanair? Because Aer Lingus don't require a passport for a child under the age of 16 if they're flying with a parent. No, they're I'm not- actually flying, I'm flying with Ryanair and I, I actually rang them as well during the week myself to see if I could get him on the plane without the passport and they said no, unfortunately not. Uh, I don't know, no. the child protection no, issue or, or whatever, you know. Yeah. yeah, I was hoping you'd be fine with Aer Lingus because I was in the same situation uh, a month or two ago with my own daughter and we actually uh, purchased another flight to Aer Lingus because we didn't have a passport. So maybe that might be an option. If might Aer be the option, yeah. Cheaper yeah. flight, maybe? Yeah, I could definitely look at that. Yeah, I could definitely look at that if I if I don't have something resolved by Wednesday. I'd say you know, but I, I suppose initially when we were booking the flights, we were going you know, because you know when there's when there's matches on at particular times, you know, it's like you know concerts or hotels, the flights go way up massively, yeah. you know. So that's why we that's why we chose Ryanair initially. And to be honest, I, I did think you know with with a six week window that we probably would have had the passport within that time frame, you know. I understand, yeah. Aileen, thanks for that, though. It may be an option no to, to book an Aer Lingus flight. 
thank, thanks a million. To another line and to Pat. Hi, Pat. Morning, uh, Mick. Um, I was in a, a similar position. No, I wasn't in a hurry for the passport, but it took ten and a half weeks for me to receive it. Wow. I, I done my by post as well. Um, there was people walking there up to a few weeks back inside the office, and uh, what you need is to make an appointment online uh, to see them. Okay. I've actually done that as well, and. I called into the office last week and the security guard came out and told me that you can only get into the office by making an appointment. So online. I, uh, yeah, I actually went online and I booked an appointment, but I've heard nothing back from that. I sent one or two emails, heard nothing back, tried the phone, the phone number about a thousand times. Um, no answer, web chat, no answer. It's just, it's, it's like, that's the most frustrating part about it, that you can't talk to anybody just for somebody to say, yes, you'll have it by Wednesday, or no, you won't have it by Wednesday, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I think that people, if they're not online, if they don't have the internet, that they're being discriminated against and there's, there's no doubt whatsoever about it. If you're not online, you're being discriminated against in this country. But is the passport office open or closed if you have an it's appointment, closed, Dennis? It's closed, Mick, but if you knock at the door, there's a security man will come to the door to you. You can fill a nightclub, you can fill a nightclub until midnight and you, and you, and you can't open a passport office. Yeah, well, that's, that's what I found frustrating about it when I called in there. Like, there was two people behind the counter dealing with people, and I was basically, you know, stopped at the door and said, You have to make an appointment. And they said, like, How can I make an appointment when nobody will answer the phone or reply to emails and stuff, you know? Yeah. It used to be a wonderful experience. And when I say wonderful, it was a pleasant experience to go into the passport office in the South Mall and wait your turn and be very efficiently dealt with by very friendly staff. That sort of yeah. personality, that, that, that sort of warmth seems to be missing now. And I'm not saying they're not working as hard as as, as they could or should, um, but we're hearing an awful lot of the public who are, they really are disenfranchised by this. Some are getting and publicising the fact that they're getting their passports with massive efficiency in less than 24 hours. And yet yet the postal side is taking six to ten weeks. Mick, that's yeah, if you're online, you are being penalised here in this country, in this city, for not being online. Not everyone can afford what broadband cost. Not, not everybody has a laptop or a computer. I don't see the difference between online and a postal renewal because, you know, it's, they're, they're, made, they're constructing the exact same passport for you. Um, they have all the same information, whether it's online or whether it's by post, so I don't see why there's a the big discrepancy with the turnaround time, you know? Yeah. And ten and a half weeks it took you. That doesn't, uh, that doesn't look good for Wednesday now, Dennis. Yeah, it's a good All right, Pat, thanks a million. Uh, okay. What we're going to do, Dennis, is we will endeavour to contact the passport office for you. We can't promise anything, of course. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's a young child, nine years of age, wanting to see his favourite team and you have everything booked and all of the tours and the memorabilia and uh, the museum, and I guess, all booked as well, you know. Yeah, uh, how do you think that match is going to go? Um, for the small fellow, hopefully well, but from my own point of view... Could be any any anyway, you know. Yeah, um, and would he? Would he obviously hope that Cristiano Ronaldo starts rather than be a, a late substitute? Yeah, definitely, definitely. He actually got to see him for the first time. No, um, the Irish and Portugal match a couple of weeks ago. We went up to that, so he's looking forward to seeing him knowing Man United jersey live in front of him. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, but yeah, it, like you know, there was I suppose like I'm after trying everything. There, no, you know, there was the. Um, 
they just rule there as well that uh, TDs can send in a request form to hurry things up as well for you. So Karen Duke there from Donegalera's office was very kind to send that in as well for us. So that's that's another um, avenue we've been exploring. But you know, like I said in the email, when 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 you kind of need something done like this, me friends will show us usually first stop as well. You know. <laughs> yeah. Have you tried Simon Coveney's office as Minister for Foreign Affairs? He probably has some sway, but I'm sure he's deluged with requests like this. Exactly, I, 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 you know, it's uh, probably wouldn't get a reply to an email within two days, you know. Yeah, the the issue, of course, is if you wait until Wednesday to book your Lingus ticket, it's going to be exponentially more expensive. Exactly. exactly. Uh, could could you fly to Manchester and get the train or the bus? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm flying to. <coughs> excuse, <coughs> excuse me. I'm You're flying to Liverpool, yeah. I'm trying to. Yeah, I'm flying. I'm flying to Liverpool because we have two full layers over there, so you know, I was just going to take them to a few places and show them, show them around and that so we we plenty of time you know and we're not rushing around anywhere because um, the, the the match is not until 8 o'clock on Thursday night so you know we'll have plenty of time to have a look around maybe do a bit of shopping and stuff like that but um, I suppose like I said you, you know just the most frustrating part is that if I could actually talk to somebody in the office and they said to me look you're not going to have it by Wednesday then I'll you know, look at alternative arrangements, but it's just kind of the not knowing part, you know. Yeah, it's, it's it's not as if you booked the tickets yesterday and you said, you know, use the Neil Prendival show to try and get a fast passport. You genuinely did apply six weeks ago. Yeah, it's 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 on the track or not. I think it was, I think it was uh, the fifteenth, fourteenth, or fifteenth of October that I applied. Okay. All right, we'll contact the passport office for you uh, and on your behalf and see if there's anything we can do, even even if it's just to get clarity. Uh, to say you won't have it or you will have it. You could move on and book those Aer Lingus flights or get the ferry or do something like that. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, okay. Thanks a million. And like I said, I appreciate it greatly if, 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 if you can help out anyway. And as I said on the email there, you know, you can just let me know then or Neil or yourself or whatever. Give us a name of a charity there and we'll make a donation on your behalf, you know. That's very kind of you, Dennis. Thanks. Let's, hopefully we'll be back to you. Yeah, no problem at all. Thanks for taking the call, Mick. Thanks. All the best. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Now, here's a text coming to Neil last week. Hi, Neil. I just want to highlight the great work CUH and its staff are doing right now in treating patients who are COVID positive. I'm currently COVID positive and had to go to CUH yesterday morning to the assessment unit with GI issues, not specific to COVID. I'm a pharmacy technician, immune compromised, asthmatic and fully vaccinated. I was treated with so much compassion and understanding yesterday while I was being looked after by the CUH staff. They did everything in their power to make me feel cared for. They fed me, made me tea when I was starting to panic, when I mentioned I might have to be admitted to the COVID ward. Thankfully, all I required was an IV infusion, and I was on my way home to my family. I'm forever grateful to the wonderful care while separated from from my loved ones. Uh, a completely unrelated text it was 30 years ago, Freddie Mercury died from another pandemic, the AIDS pandemic, uh, which has been going on for the last 40 years, since 1981. And you must play one of his classic hits. He really stole the show at Live Aid, says Dennis. That was over the weekend, I think. Uh, 30 years gone. Farouk Bolsara. There is a new Netflix documentary as well, uh, which details the psychology behind the... Uh, Metamorphosis, I suppose, from uh, Farouk Bulsara to Freddie Mercury. Uh, I haven't watched it yet, but it does look promising. So check that one out on Netflix. On the vaccines. Hi, Neil. Uh, with boosters being rolled out every six months, life seems to have become a subscription service to the pharmaceutical corporations, says Richie and Toker. I won't be touching the vaccine, says another texter. It's not FDA approved and people are being used like guinea pigs. 
More people with the vaccine died last week than without it. No one should put anything in their body they don't understand. This booster campaign is a joke. And once people get the booster, the third jab, they will then need a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, etc. I'm in my mid-50s, says another texture. Since I got the jab, the joints in my hands and fingers are killing me. I work in construction. My son said hundreds online have had the same problem with joints. If you want, if you don't want to talk to experts, fine. But if you're going to talk to experts, talk to experts that are being silenced by state-funded media, state-funded independent media and social media alike. Dr. Marcus De Bruyne and Ivor Cummings spring to mind. Although doing so might run contrary to the conditions of Red FM's contractual and financial arrangements with the government, says Richie and Toker. That's another one from Richie and Toker. We had Marcus De Bruyne on, Richie, and uh, I, I don't imagine for a moment there are contractual and financial arrangements with the government that exist here. But you're welcome to your opinion. If this virus is more deadly than the flu, Mick, how come I don't know anyone that got very sick from it? And I know a lot of people. I work with 350 people. 10 people got a positive test, just had a slight pain in the head and they haven't even reported any family members getting very sick or friends getting sick. So you're talking at thousands of people between all of us. People are really, really overreacting. On lockdown and on COVID lockdowners, the problem in society has been divided. Those who haven't got COVID yet and those who have and survived. Those like me who have not yet got COVID are terrified. Those who've got it and survived it have no fear and carry on as normal. Why would they give a hoot about COVID once they've got over it and lived to, to tell the tale? It's vaccine, a tale of a two-tier society, those waiting to get, get COVID and those who already have had it. I make of a friend who says employees of a multinational company here received a letter advising them that they're essential workers from the 15th of December. And uh, there's many more. Neil locked down the unvaccinated. Their selfishness and warped view of the world is what is prolonging this pandemic. It's about time the rest of us get on with our lives and it won't happen until these people cop on and do the right thing, says Mark. One or two more. According to Dr. Ronan Lynn, there were 200,000 people walking around with COVID last week. Is it any wonder some people don't know where they, they contracted it? Personal responsibility is non-existent with too many people. The CMO and government need to act and save lives. Sorry to say, a large part of the population don't care about their vulnerable families or anyone else either. And uh, one more. My parents keep saying we need to go back into lockdown, lockdown, lockdown. Uh, Don't get me wrong. I get their fear of the virus, but going into lockdown is only pushing off the virus. If we went into lockdown, the government should lock down the country for one or two weeks and get everyone tested. I know this is not possible as we don't live in an ideal world and it would never happen in this dystopian world, but it would pinpoint all the people who have the virus at the time, isolate and treat them, and maybe stop the spread to others. It's uh, coming up on 18 and a half minutes to 11 now. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. Good morning from the Neil Printerville Show and to Miles Gaffney. Once again, we say, how's the farm at your boy? Good to talk to you again, Mick. How are you keeping, pal? Very good. It's always entertaining to talk to you, Miles. For those who don't know, uh, tell people what you are, which is kind of a Northside troubadour. Well, what, what I need here today is the backing of the people of Cork. Um, as you know, I write songs, and um, there was an incentive um, set up by a girl. It was the brainchild of a girl in County Clare. Okay, what was the incentive? And so she wanted to set up a, um, a competition called the Battle of the Ballads. And with the initiative of, you know, we rely a lot on the older songs, Mick, you know, 
like I'm probably one of the very few writers in Ireland now that goes from county to county to meet people to pick up the songs and write the new songs like you know How about John Spillane? And, um, yeah John does it I just back from Soda Armagh I was up in Cross Midland with Oisin McConville there writing songs but anyway she she came up with this great idea so every county will write a new ballad or a new song and this this team of this competition is the War of Independence. So from 1916 to the present day, write a song about an event or an individual. So it took nearly 18 months to get this going. I think it's fantastic. Because at the end of this, if this kept going for five years, we'd have 200 new ballads across the whole of Ireland, which is fantastic. But I'm the Cork representative in this. I'm, the, I'm, I'm representing Cork in this competition. And when I got involved in this and put a song forward that I thought that all I had to do was just put it up, Cork, and we'd run away with it. But that's not the case. We are getting an anniversary fight from a little town in County Clare called Innes Diamond. Right. A population of a thousand people and 400 of them are children. And they're giving Cork City, the great Cork, a run for their money. And I personally want Cork's name on this trophy for when it travels around Ireland for the next few years. Cork will be honest. Not Miles Gaffney, Cork. Cork needs to win this. Our song that I have entered is by far the best song in it anyway. Okay, but but what's, what's the ethos of the competition? To write a ballad to mark the anniversary yeah. of the War of Independence, to write it from your own county's perspective. Uh, is, it a, is it a Munster-wide competition or a nationwide competition? So, it's Munster, so we're in Munster, he's Cork, then we'll go Connacht, Ulster and Leinster, and then the four winners of that down the line will go into the All-Ireland. Now, here's the thing. You have to vote for your county, Okay. So you, you go into www.battleoftheballads.com or go into my Facebook, Miles Gaffney Songwriter. The link is there. And it's a GoFundMe campaign, Mick. So it costs one euro a vote. So if you put in 10 euros, that's 10 votes. Okay. So that's how it's based. No. And, and the money is not being kept by any organization or anything. It's been distributed no. to what? The money. Here it is. No. So... As we know, we have an awful lot of monuments in Cork, um, dating back to all the events of the War of Independence, so on and so forth. Uh, some of them will fall into disappear and need to be upkept. So in every county now you have historical societies. In Cork, it's the Phoenix Historical Society. They will receive the monies that are donated to vote for Cork in this competition to upkeep the national graves, repair damaged monuments and plaques and headstones, whatever needs be. Now, I personally went on a few tours of the Phoenix Historical Society. Uh, I went to Kilmainham Jail and that just for songs, trying to get a couple of songs. But, like, I feel that now every every county in Ireland played, you know, fought the empire. But it was Cork beat the empire. Do you know what? Yesterday was the anniversary of Kilmichael. And I just think that the people of Cork we need to come out and it needs to be that Cork were the people who came out behind Miles and we won the first battle mm. of the ballads and I'm just calling on the people. Support has been slow enough to all the people that have supported up to date. I thank them all. Um, but it's voting is finished on Saturday, Mick. Um, 
it's finished on Saturday so it's important to try and get as many people to give us a few euros um, t- towards the, the competition um, you know I had a chat with Christy Moore about this about two weeks ago I was telling him the whole, he thought it was a fantastic idea Right. And and just just to be clear, I'm working in Dublin and I vote for Cork. That euro goes to Cork. Yeah. So every money is... Like, I had a fella from Kelly vote for Cork. He told me he voted for Cork because he said Cork's song was the best. Right, okay. So this this pulls up all sorts of loyalties and and, uh, heartstrings because you might want your county to win uh, if you're in Kerry, but you might think Miles Gaffney's song is the best. Yeah. And uh, that, that's that's you have the option of voting for anybody you want. But I, fe- as I said, I'm so passionate about this. I dedicated. I give Cork and the people of Cork a lot of my time down the years. And for this one last hurrah, I'm asking the people to get behind me on this last one. It's so important to me personally. I don't like losing anyway. <laughs> but I think that that like it's so important to keep these songs going. Tell, tell us about the song itself, Miles. Well, the song I wrote is a song about a man from Passage West. His name was Dan Harrington. Um, so during um, the events of Sound in Bombay Street, Dan felt that what was going on was wrong and he went up to help the nationalist people in 1969 and 1970s time. Um, I called the song Where Were You When You Were 21? Because... Um, I went to meet people for the song, and you know, I was asked to write the song, and um, I was asking questions and stories, um, trying to pinpoint, you know, a starting point for a decent ballad about one of my own, the Cockman. So um, we're sitting down, we're having a chat, and the story goes, you know, like you come across fellas, like I mean, every fella, there's always a fella in a pub somewhere done his bit for Ireland, or his grandfather done his bit for Ireland, or whatever. Yeah. So Dan was at a funeral one night. And the cortege was heading up Cathedral Road. And there was a fella anyway talking out through his, his rear, let's say, and it was all lies. And he was mounting off, and of course, he didn't know who who was standing around in his company. Right. And after a few minutes, uh, listening to this nonsense, Dan Dan turned around and he said, Shut your mouth, he said, Where were you when you were 21? Yeah. And the man shut up. Because That's a good tagline. This guy had played his part, and when he was uh, 21, he was, you know, well, everybody's looking forward to celebrating their birthdays and their 21st and inviting all their friends. This guy was in the thick of us, uh, above the national communities, trying to create calm and peace and help the people out, okay. um, which is a very brave thing to do. Um, so basically, the song goes through... Um, Dan's, Dan's life and uh, unfortunately I supposed to go to the recording studio to put down a, a final vocal to the song it's all done and uh, I, could, I can't go due to Covid right just <laughs> people that I work with have come in contact with Covid so just, but that's that's the incentive behind it I mean look I have great I mean look I want to go up to Ennis and collect this trophy for Cork and I'd be up there with me packed lunch some food vibrations and I'd have a lovely time from home Tanner's Cox on beds and I'd be up there get the plugs in go on tell me about the GoFundMe page how do people vote if they want to throw a euro your way or their county's way more more particularly yeah so you just go in battleintheballads.com on GoFundMe is it 
Yeah, well, you go into the link, like, yeah, you're going to go for me, I'm typing Battle of the Ballads, go to my Facebook page, Miles Gaffney Songwriter, click on the, on the, on the link, it'll bring you in, so it starts with County Clare, Kerry Waterford, Tipperary, Limerick, and Cork is last. You go in, you listen to the song there, it's there, it's a live performance that I did in Ballina Arts Theatre, and, um, we'll listen to it, and if you like it, click Donate for Cork, uh, I mean, if you have any bit of green left in you at all, or any pride left in the men and women who fought for our freedom, then you should vote for them anyway, because the, the, the money is going to the restoration of, of their monuments and, and in their name and in their honour, you know? Yeah. So, and Cork, you know, well, Cork in those times punched well above its weight. Uh, you know, I was born and bred in Cove, and I did some years ago the Rebel Walking Tour. Uh, and was surprised at just how much Cove was a thorn in the side of the British forces because it was essentially, you know, it was the harbour and supply town and lots of money could have been made by the locals in supplying the forces that were coming in and uh, sheltering in the harbour. But it was, uh, in effect, really a thorn in the side of the British uh, against what you would expect. And that's what that rebel walking tour was about. And I'd advise anyone to, to check it out. Very, very enjoyable. Uh, so here we go. We've got uh, your Facebook page, GoFundMe, Battle of the Ballads. Uh, this is a competition that can be bought, but every euro that you vote for your county will come back to the county to restore historical monuments, and you'll keep Cork Pride alive, and uh, Miles will uh, not have to lose something. That's the basis yeah. of everything that's going on here. That's, 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 that's it in a nutshell, you know, and I just, as I said, it's so important for Cork to be on this, because this is going to go on for years. And every time it might land in Galway, it might land in Derry, it might land in, you know, Loud. I mean, Cork will be on at that. Oh, who won that first competition? Cork. And I won Cork. And Tommy Taylor said it to me one time. And Neil Pendley said, lads, he said, do you not realise, he said, that there's a whole world built around Cork? He says, you're the most inward looking people. And I said, yeah, you're right, Tommy, we are. He, he has oh, great. Think... He has great fun with that. You know. You know the way he said. Can you, can you imagine if Neil Armstrong was from Cork? <laughs> That's one small stamp for a man, but it's not Cork. <laughs> That's it. I see them doing that before. Miles, I gotta go. I'm, I'm already after missing a competition. Over talking to you. Thanks a million. Go on, good luck. Cheers, bye-bye. Good luck, good luck, up Cork. Uh, now, we're uh, going to do our competition. We can't squeeze it in now before 11 o'clock, but we'll take a, our first caller just after news at 11. This is brilliant with Homefront Giftware and Interiors, a family-owned Cork business established in Carrigaline in 1999 and now in six Cork locations, including Carrigaline, Bandon, Middleton, Wilton, Douglas and Blackpool. We'll be looking directly after the news at 11 for our first set of two callers. We're going to give you a Christmassy based question and we're going to see who gets closest to the pin. Okay, you'll have uh, something to decide on. You give us your answer and whoever's closest will win the first of two 200 euro vouchers for Homefront Giftware and Interiors. And don't forget they've got a brand new website as well. You can check out everything for Christmas there on homefrontgiftware.ie. That's www.homefrontgiftware.ie. So we'll open the lines on this directly after news at 11 o'clock, which is on the way on the Neil Prenderville Show. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on the Big Red Bench. That's the Big Red Bench, every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. And we already have uh, callers lined up for our fantastic competition with Homefront Giftware and Interiors. Let's bid good morning on line four to Karen Buckley, who is in Passage West. Good morning, Karen. Hi, good morning. And to Colin Murphy. Good morning. And to Colin Murphy, who is in Kinsale. 
so your boat on the water, more or less. Uh, morning to you, Colin. Good morning, Mick. How are you this morning? Very Thanks for having me on. Great stuff. Oh, okay, not not a bother. Now, um, what what we're going to do here is we're going to offer you both a chance to uh, give an answer, and one of you, only one, I'm afraid, will walk away with a two hundred euro voucher for Homefront giftware and interiors. Now, there is a new website on homefrontgiftware.ie, and they're a family-owned Cork business established in Carrigaline uh, over twenty years ago, in nineteen ninety-nine, and now in six Cork locations: Carrigaline, Bandon, Middleton, Wilton, Douglas, and Blackpool. Christmassy question coming your way, and Karen, you were first to get through, uh, and uh, we let you go first, okay? But you'll both get an okay. equal chance at having a guess and getting as close as you want. And here is yeah, the... Good luck, Karen. Good luck. Good oh, luck. that's very Christmassy of you. <laughs> You're not going to share the prize, though, are you? No. Okay. Here, Karen, you, you can answer first. Here's the question. According to a survey in today's Sun newspaper, what percentage of people say they start their Christmas shopping on Christmas Day or later? They start their Christmas shopping on Christmas Day or later. This is a survey in the Sun. What percentage of people say they start their Christmas shopping on Christmas Day or later? 20, 25%. 25% you say. And you say Colin Murphy and Kinsale? I'm going to say 35%. 35% you say in Kinsale. The answer is 4%. So, uh, oh Karen, you know, most people... <laughs> And you think most people do their shopping well before Christmas Day or after. So, Karen Buckley, you are closest. You're a mile off, by the way. But you're still the closest because Colin was two miles off. Thanks a million, Colin. And, uh, thanks very much. Have thanks a, a million. Time. Cheers. Thanks. Bye-bye. And, Karen, we're going to send you that €200 Euro gift voucher. That'll help you along the way for Christmas with Homefront Giftware and Interiors. You can check out the huge selection uh, because they specialise in all your giftware and interior needs. And you can do it from the comfort of your own home before you decide what to spend on homefrontgiftware.ie. All right? Thanks a million to you both, uh, Karen Buckley in Passage West and Colin Murphy in Kinsale. We'll take two more callers, not now, but just before we close the programme at midday. And we'll tell you when to call in on that one for Homefront Giftware and Interiors. Back to cold classrooms and to our phone lines and to Line 6 and Christopher. Good morning, Christopher. Good morning. Now, your daughter's been out of school since last Tuesday. She got sick. Did she get sick from the cold? Yes. Um, Basically, every day when they go into school... The windows are always open, freezing cold. She came home from school last Tuesday week um, with a runny nose, and the school was advised us to uh, get a COVID test done. Um, then we had to wait three days for the results to come back. Then eventually, we had to try to get her into the doctors, and we got her in. Basically, it was just an ear infection, went into the nose and down into her throat. So, um, yeah, it's just kind of annoying that the point of fact is um, every day they're in school, Freezing cold, they should be able to close the windows or have some sort of different form of um, air circulation or some sort. It's just or like know, the, the HEPA filters they have on airplanes, for example. Yeah, something like instead of just leaving windows open like today. Now it's it's pretty cold here today. Um, Misty and basically had to send her in with two jumpers and a jacket just to keep warm in the classroom. Now she started back in school today. So she's been two weeks out of school due to it. So the run of this was, what you're saying anyway, she got it because of the cold in the classroom. Uh, yeah. She had a runny nose, of course, then the uh, school said to get her tested for COVID. You knew yeah. it was a cold. As a parent, you probably had that sense. Uh, yeah. The test came back negative, so then you bring her to the doctor to find out she's an ear, a nose, and a throat infection. So now she's on antibiotics because she's got a bad flu and those yeah. infections. And uh, you're putting that down to her sitting in a freezing cold classroom. 
yeah. did your doctor agree with this or say it's a... Yeah, you the know, doctor agreed as well, like that they said that they have a high amount of cases, basically the same scenario, uh, where children are coming out of school with the same symptoms, colds, uh, snotty nose, you know, bit of a chesty cough, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like even the school has agreed, but the school have to go by what they've been told by the, you know, by the government, basically. And are, are, are they allowed to layer up in school? Or is it... Uh... Yeah, um, they are. Well, we got text messages last week telling us now that um, they, they give them extra layers, but like putting extra layers on them isn't going to make things any well better. Mm-hmm. Now, the classroom's still going to be freezing cold. Yeah. And probably a harsher winter yet to bite. Yeah, it is. Like it was um, last night we had a minus two here. So it's 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 getting worse. Like so, And they're talking about next week we're meant to be getting snow and all this. So I don't know if it's actually going to happen. But like if, if it does, it's going to be even colder in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And, and why do you think the government are so adamant to keep schools open? Is it because of the... I, I suppose with lack of childcare, it would force workers uh, who are, you know, part of the economic recovery, if you like, to to, to forcibly stay at home to mind their children. Yeah. So in that sense, the I schools think, must I, be kept open. It's hard to know what way, they, what way they're thinking at the moment. Like for myself now, myself and my partner are working, so there's no one normally at home during the day. So if the kids are home, one of us has to take the work off. Yeah, but like, inv- invariably the kids are going to be coming home anyway if, if the classrooms are freezing. Yeah. They're going to be coming home with, with the flu and they need to be minded. Yeah. Like, that's what we had to do. We had to, the, my partner had to take off work just to, to come in, like, to look after Okay. So, you know, if they hadn't, the windows open, they had some sort of proper ventilation and proper heating, well, the heating would be all right. They won't be coming home nearly every week with different symptoms and getting COVID tests again and, you know. All right. Uh, it's 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 a tough one. It's very hard to it's very hard to adjudicate as to what would be the safer mm-hmm. way to go. Uh, it does seem to me that some schools are being very draconian in their application of the guidelines. Yeah. Though, would you agree with that? That they you know they, uh, all the windows don't yeah, have to be fully said, open. Some of the schools are they're, they're, they are trying to, as I said, the school now that my daughter is in, they are trying their best. But as I said, they're they're being watched by I don't know what what you would call them. They're like a, the head of this COVID scenario in the government where basically where if they don't go by the guidelines they're going to be in trouble they have to keep the windows open they have to do all these you know so they're telling the children to try and tell the parents to put more clothing on them but as I said you know it'd be easier if they had some sort of ventilation system and work it out a little bit easier Alright so th- thanks for your call it's, we're getting an awful lot of them Christopher thanks a million Yeah no problem. Thank you very much. Thanks. Cheers. Bye bye. Stay on the same subject. And uh, Amber in line one. Hi, Amber. How are you? I'm good. And you? I'm good. How's it going? So, go on. Your your point is sitting in a classroom with all the windows open, um, and the school only putting on the heating for ten minutes a day. Is it in your particular case? Yeah, as a fifth year student. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and are you a fifth year student? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'm a fifth year student. And are you allowed to wear hoodies and things like that? So the problem there is that last year when we first had to, like, you are properly in school with COVID, we had to have the windows opened and that's when we were allowed to learn. So then we were allowed to wear hoodies and then at a certain point we were allowed to wear our school tracksuit and then we all wore hoodies over our school tracksuit jumper that has no hood off it. But the hoodie that was under it, you could see the hood. 
but they have no problem with that last year. But within this year, it's only literally today that we were allowed over our skill track suits because there were so many complaints and so many students being ill for weeks on end. But now we're starting to wear the hoodies again under the jumpers and you can see the hood and teachers and principals are going ballistic over it. But the only kind of sort of like proper learning we're allowed to wear is our skill fleece that only came in like summer last year and that was to pay for a skill facility that we only bought. So So you had to buy the skill fleece and that was about 30 or 40 euro, was it? Yeah, so it actually keep warm this winter. We have to pay like 30 euro. And does it keep you warm? No, it's a little tin fleece out of regatta, like. Okay. So, did you speak with your own principal about the problem? Yeah, there was a few incidents that, because I am a class principal, so I did have to go to the principal about this problem. It was before our Halloween midterm that many students came up to me and was like, look, you need to go up to them and ask them to even stick on the heat and for five minutes went up and they said, no, not possible because we're only allowed to have heating on. Like, it's only funded for between November to March. And And are are, are the girls forced to wear skirts here or is there discretion in that area? Yes, we were forced to wear skirts. She'd freeze. um, Yeah, we were. And they were trying to tell us to wear tights, but tights aren't a part of our uniform either. We have short socks. So... If they're telling us to wear tights, why weren't we allowed to wear a hoodie with our uniform? Yeah, it doesn't seem right, does it? No. So there must be colds and flus and chest infections going around all over the place in that school now, is there? Yeah, and it's affecting every single thing. My friend was out for a whole week last week and she came in today and we have a test. She had a test today and she broke down and we couldn't even... The teacher was like, well, you're going to just have to catch up. We can't do anything about it. It was your fault you're being sick. Or my other friend, the other week before that, she was ill for a couple of days because she was sick. And um, she was told not to make a habit of it being out. It's, it's not your time. fault if you're sick, because if, if it was your fault of being sick, there wouldn't be any sick leave and work. Literally. So if, if I was to say to you, and they'll say to you over the years, you know, in, in the next 20, 30 years, ah, your school days were the happiest days of your life. Would you agree? No, <laughs> definitely not. All right, Amber. Listen, thanks a million. Are, are you guys warm now? You're allowed to wear the hoodies. You don't have to wear the skirts. You can wear school tracksuits. Are you are you yeah. substantially warmer than you were? No, because all of our radiators are beside the window. And we have, like, we don't have a staircase. Like, we don't have a second floor to scale. So it's all long, flat floor. So all our radiators are against our long, tall windows. So any heat is going out the window anyway. Yeah, so we have like the room I'm actually in now has three windows, but it'd actually be like six windows. All right. Amber, thanks for highlighting that. Thank you so much for giving me the chance to speak. Thanks a million. Cheers. Bye bye. Mick is online too. Hi, Mick. Hi, Mick. How's it going? Oh, that's Frick, is it? Mick the Frick. It is, it is, it is. How are you, bye? bye. You're saying pull all the kids out of school? Yeah, I wouldn't want to be my team, but it's all I might be called the crank it up, but like. It's crazy, like, if the kids are sitting in there, they'll come out, and then they're like, the first thing they tell them, go away and get a COVID test. Yeah, if they get the sniffles, of course, it's... Oh, like, we had sniffles years ago, we were lucky to have that in the windows years ago, and we aren't going to school, as you know, mate, but we survived. But it's just building up numbers, I think, and 
just because the government and the HSC says this, you don't have to go by all the rules, Mick. They're making them up as they're going on. In my book. Well, the kids are coming out with sniffles. They're being told to get COVID tests. They're then being, uh, you know, they have to stay home if they're sick, if they've got infections in the ear or chest or whatever. Uh, And that's pulling parents out of the workplace. Uh, I don't think, though, the answer is closing all the schools and pulling more and more parents out of the workplace, is it? I I don't know what's the answer. I mean, like, we're paying 25,000 a day, I think, or a week, make I might be wrong, in the National Centre to have the meetings for the TDs. Leave them open the windows and sit in there for the day. With the HSC, like the HSC, and leave them sit in there, 25,000, but there's no one cribbing over that. Yeah, and we've had parents on this morning, Mick, who, who are saying, you know, watch now, the next thing will be, there'll be a huge uptake uh, in children getting the vaccine because then they'll be allowed to close the windows and get some exactly. heat in. Yeah, exactly, that's what I'm saying, Mick. You know what I mean? We've been flipping like, well, like sheep. You know what I mean? We're not rebels anymore. I know that's just me. <laughs> Come here, make while you have it there. I know Dan Hampton Royce is a great song because I heard them sing it in the Ferry Arms there. And uh, a while back, and um, Dan was a great bloke, so he just said, like, but Dan went up to fight for civil rights, but our civil rights are gradually going every day by, especially the non backs and uh, that's everyone should have freedom of choice. Yeah, the Dan Harrington song, of course, is Cork's. Is Cork's entry yeah. in, into yeah. this uh, ballot competition? You probably know his sons, I'd say. Well. Probably do, but look, it's it's worth voting for for Cork's sake, anyway. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah. All right, Mike. Make great stuff by his others. Thanks, Mel. Thanks, Mike. Talk to you soon. Cheers. Bye bye. Uh, that article, by the way, in the Evening Standard makes very interesting reading about the Omicron symptoms. The doctor who discovered it, saying it's extremely mild, it was detected in Botswana and has sparked alarm among scientists over fears it could be more contagious than other variants and resistant to vaccines. The doctor was Dr. Anjali Coetzee, uh, chair of the South African Medical Association, and she said everybody here in the UK and Ireland are overreacting, uh, adding that symptoms are extremely mild. She told the Andrew Marr show uh, in the UK that she first discovered the variant in a man in his early 30s who displayed symptoms of tiredness and a mild headache. Uh, what we're seeing clinically in South Africa, she said, and remember, I'm at the epicentre. That's where I'm practising. It's extremely mild. For us, that's mild, mild cases. Uh, when asked if the UK was panicking unnecessarily, she said, I think you already have it there in your country and you're not knowing it. And I would say yes, because of that. It's there. You don't even know about it. I'd say you're definitely overreacting. Two weeks from now, maybe we'll say something different, she said. But on Saturday, two cases of the new variant were confirmed in Nottingham and in Essex. And at a press conference on Saturday, Boris Johnson said that masks will be in- reintroduced in shops and on public transport and that all travellers into the UK would have to take a PCR test on the second day after arrival. Those who tested positive for COVID-19 will then have to isolate for 10 days. Why is the PCR test on the second day after arrival, Boris? Uh, on Sunday, uh, the UK Health Secretary said the new rules about mask wearing would come into effect on Tuesday, uh, saying it's hope it's something we can remove within weeks in the run-up to Christmas. Uh, right now, it's uh, 22 and a half minutes past 11. The topic of loneliness at Christmas coming up next on The Neil Prendeville Show. This is The Neil Prendeville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. And it's always good at this uh, time of the year, more than most, to welcome back to the airways Paddy O'Brien, who started the over 60s to combat loneliness. Uh, loneliness amongst the elderly, of course, is uh, is re- very, very prevalent at this time of the year. And good morning to you, Paddy. Nice to have you on again. Good morning, mate. Thanks for having me on. And I have to say that currently, I can honestly say that the greatest single problem confronting other elderly people is loneliness. 
What can we do to combat loneliness in the elderly? What we, what we can do, contact. It has to be contact. Knock on the doors. There are elderly people living in a, a, neighbor, in a neighborhood and there's no contact whatsoever. Just for a moment, I wouldn't say this. I, I'm aware of families as well who are very, very, very good to elderly people. But I'm concerned about the elderly person, uh, especially the elderly person living alone and trying to manage. And there are neighbors there. I would say to those neighbors, knock on the door introduce yourself, don't be nervous, don't be, don't, don't be embarrassed, knock on the door, introduce yourself, give your name, and start to build up a friendship with that elderly person. Now, I am delighted that you, you rang me so early because now people have a month to prepare for Christmas and get, and get into no person. I know over the last weeks I've been talking about Christmas to people, and the saddest thing I heard was that one elderly lady, 82 years of age, and she said, I wish it was all over. She said, there was a, what she said to me was this. There was a time, she said, Christmas, she said, it was joy, fun, and happiness. Now mm-hmm. it's sad and loneliness. Yeah. I think that's very, 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 very sad for any elderly person to be in this way. All right, Paddy. Listen, not, not, not to be the devil's advocate here, but there are, there are certain elderly people who have a major problem with contact and a major fear of contact in the current, in the current situation. There are. That, that, that's what that's what definitely but there are many more as well who just wait for a knock at the door. And I would say to the people who are nervous now, this is your program this morning, you know, that um, people are already trying to help you. Your, your neighbours and your, your, your relations of that are only just trying, trying to help you and try and, you know, uh, like, uh, cooperate with them. I mean, there's no point in being awkward. I could come across that type of family as well, that type of elderly person as well, make the person who's, uh, you know, just wants to live alone. But the majority of elderly people want to speak to people. They want to share their, their lives with people. And the people, as I've already said, for me, the sad people are the people who live alone. Nobody cares for them. There are elderly people trying to light a fire every day and they're unable to do it, trying to administer all medication. And I would put emphasis on one word, and that's contact. Contact, contact. Okay, because you, you can make contact over the phone. You can have a chat over the phone. And if the person, if the person you're trying to relieve of loneliness is open to yeah. you coming into the house, maybe cooking a bit of dinner, maybe lighting a fire, maybe doing a bit of hoovering, or whatever, then uh, you can open up that avenue. But contact, uh, you know, remote contact at least is better than no contact at all. Exactly, exactly. I and mean, how many tragedies have we heard of? And I have any of elderly people found days and later on neighbours would be requesting a visit and what, what, what had happened. I said that, I would say, knock on the door and tell who you are, very important. Introduce yourself, I'm living in such a number, don't whatever street you're living on, and to befriend that person. And I know that, I mean, it has happened last year as well, that elderly people would, would call, or sorry, people would call to visit the elderly people. And there was an elderly person would feel that somebody loves them, someone cares, cares for them, and they want to be part of this happy occasion as well. And I know that a lot of people would be a bit embarrassed for the first time to knock on the door to get to find a, per- a person. But I mean... Um, I think that uh, it, it's very, it's very simple. Just knock on your door as other people say, and introduce it yourself. You're not selling anything. You're just a neighbour, and your conversation would be, um, my name is John Murphy. I'm living in number 45, or Breda Murphy, 45 or 46, or the case with me. If there's anything you want to Christmas, and have a little chat then with them. And another thing that means that to an elderly person, Christmas card. 
just a simple Christmas card. I spoke to a lady last year, I remember, she said three years before she ever got a Christmas card. And we, perhaps when we're working with the elderly, we, uh, we might think to forget for all of them, with the simple things. That's and a very simple and great idea. Send a Christmas card yeah, yeah. To, to every yeah, elderly yeah, person yeah, you know yeah, this yeah. year. Yeah, it was a lot, I saw many, many years ago, and I apply it to my own life with Rocket when I'm working at the end of it for many years. Little things mean a lot. Just little things like that mean a lot. A Christmas card. You might even know the person, at least you see the person, their, their address. You can just send it to the household or property for the park, whatever the case may be. But I think that. That was a lovely old song. I'm, I'm sure some of the over 60s would have sang that song, Little Things Mean a Lot, Patty. Yeah, little things mean a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful, a lovely, lovely song. A lot, a lot, a lot of me- meaning uh, sang from that, from that heart. You know, those mm-hmm. lovely words. And I always pray that. I mean, they really are not asking to be taken out for a meal, for a drink, whatever. No, just to visit them. Knock on the door, see that I need a pint of milk, uh, build up a little bit of trust. Let them know your intentions are honourable and decent and charitable. Uh, And if they're having trouble cooking, maybe give them a hand. They might have issues with medication. Uh, They might allow you to collect their prescription. They might allow you to do a little bit of shopping in their local supermarket or whatever. Exactly, and and, and they can do with that. I think what frightens generally people is this, mate, is that they think Christmas is so long. And they feel that, oh, there's nobody going to contact me. Christmas is a long time if you've been alone. I'm about it's to play a, long, a Christmas long. song, uh, Patty. It kind of goes against the grain with me because uh, in all my years in radio, I was always refusing to play Christmas songs until the 8th of December. They're playing them now incessantly. And I feel sorry for the staff who have to listen uh, from the 1st of November. And the day after Halloween, that they have to listen to the same 20 Christmas songs on a loop. It would drive me absolutely mental. Yeah, I, um, I, know, I know exactly what you mean. Because most uh, broadcasters now, they go for the, the, the 8th of December to introduce the, uh, the Christmas card. Having said that, the reason we're playing a Christmas song now is that there's a massive demand for it. People are because of maybe the pandemic and maybe the restrictions. Oh, they yes, want to be in the yes, Christmas yes. spirit a bit early. And we have to understand and recognize that too. Yeah, but Patty, I... I, I Sorry. Yeah, I just I just wanted to thank you for everything you do for the elderly and for coming on the air today. Have you a point to finish up on? No, no, that I I, I would say to people just 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 keep that in mind that there's a not far from you there's someone a lonely person. You know, I just want to take you to drive up a walker and then knock on the door would mean so much or a knock at the window and just tell you who, who introduce yourself and you might get a great welcome come off in but please don't stop at that. Mm-hmm. Alright Paddy, as I play this yeah. song which is a Michael Bublé rendition of one of the uh, great and famous Christmas songs uh, let's try and do for an elderly person let's try and do the opposite Let, let's not, remember that person you said where, that I wish it was all over Christmas yeah, used yeah, to be yeah, the yeah. spirit of love and peace and, and fellowship yeah. and all that let's bring that into the old person's life Okay, let's not, That's if there's anybody in your community who's elderly and maybe wishing uh, you know, maybe wishing it was all over. Maybe wishing, no, I hope this is my last Christmas. Let the spirit of this song uh, and reflect on the spirit of this song and try to do that for one of the old people in your neighbourhood or in your life. Paddy O'Brien, thanks very much. Uh, you've started the over 60s to combat loneliness and you've been a champion for the elderly ever since. And loneliness, of course, amongst the elderly is more prevalent at this time of year. So do something about it. Thanks a million, Paddy. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Thanks. And here is Michael Bublé. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Well, 
as the crooners go, he's well up there with them with Frank Sinatra, with probably Elvis Presley. Uh, I'm not sure if he shades it with Bing Crosby, though, who would still be my favourite crooner. But there you go. The wonderful voice of Michael Bublé, and it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Hoping to make it look a bit more like Christmas is Joe from Joseph's Hair Salon on the Glasheen Road. And we'll bid good morning to you, Joe. How are you doing? Hello, Joe? Hello, Mick. How are you? Very good. You're doing a big event for the homeless. Tell us about it. I am, Mick. It's on the 12th of December, Sunday week. It's unusual, but this year it's going to be a bigger event because Flannery's are giving us their marquee and they're going to do um, hot food on the day, which is going to be wonderful. What we're doing is um, free haircuts for the homeless and for trying to be dead house in Coonley and other people, other services, um, Mick. And it'll be a big, long day, so... Wow, that's that, that's amazing. Um, I seem to remember publicising this before. It's a very worthy. Yeah, we do it every appeal. year. We do it every year, Mick. But this year with COVID, um, we have the marquee oven flanners, which is great. So we'll be able to marshal people coming in better, and they can go back to the marquee. Then it'll be outdoors, and they can have food. And um, John and Pat from Flanners are amazing. They're giving them a sit down meal this this year. Wow, a full Christmas dinner. And we're going to have a musician, and we're going to have Gerald Kearney for the magician for the kids, and we're going to have presents for Gerald Kearney, is it? Everybody, yeah, yeah. I think so, I know that guy as well. Very, very, very good, very, very good magician. Yeah, he comes out most years for me too. He's brilliant. He's brilliant support. And this, this um, is a kind of an event that would go unnoticed or under the radar without, you know, without radio programs such as this. So I'm happy to do it for you. This is a huge event for the homeless. This must be absolutely. one of the highlights of their Christmas to, to go and get absolutely yeah. to get groomed so and tended to. Christmas starts when they come out to Joseph's. Yeah. You uh, know, but um make it it's a fantastic event, but this year is going to be a bit more happening. And I just really want to thank all the listeners for their support all year round because you know we do something all year round and they're amazing. They just drop in stuff. But we're hoping to give presents to everybody on the day. So if anybody wants to drop in a selection box or tie or some toiletries, anything at all, we'd be delighted. And do you want them dropped to Flannery's or into no, Joseph's? Drop to Joseph's, into the salon, yeah. Okay. Uh, and that's the whole day. So you're not taking any uh, lucrative contracts for cutting hair that day? No, it'll be a Sunday. The girls are going to give up their time. And um, we have a few volunteers coming to give us a hand as well. Darren, my husband, will be marshalling the whole thing. And it'll be the full day from wow. maybe from about 10 o'clock to about half past five. Okay, so that's a Sunday. They're giving up their time, 12th of December. Uh, that's Joseph's Hair Salon on the Glashine Road. If there's anything you can drop in there... Uh, so that all of the homeless may, may get a little gift. It's a little early for Christmas, but it really would be the highlight of the season for them, I think. Uh, live music and a magician and a sit-down meal. Uh, and yeah. Any little gifts would be appreciated uh, by and you. And this is and blow dries. You know, Mick, there's a lot of people out there who don't get that physical contact all year round. And, you know, they, they feel it when they come in, that the warm water on their hair, they're feeling... Um, they're feeling, you know, that someone is touching them, talking to them, they're feeling more human, they go out, they feel fantastic. And it isn't even the haircut, it's the fact sometimes that they're having physical contact with someone. Sure, they must really go out with a spring in their step, do they? Absolutely, yeah. It's a great event. And it's something, you see, we do it all year round, but we make Christmas a bigger event of it. Yeah, because okay. homelessness and Edel House and things often just for Christmas, it's all year round. Okay, but it's a nice time of the year to highlight what you're doing for Edel House yeah. and for Coonley Refuge and others uh, in the homeless. Others, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in the homeless always, area, always 12th of December. As well. Yeah, whole day of cutting hair and Flannery's Bar. Fair play to them. What are the names of the guys there again? 
John and Pat. Okay, well done, John and Pat. And giving the marquee. Staff, they're great. Ashlyn and all the staff are brilliant. There. Oh, that's a great spot. And serving hot food as well to the homeless all day. Oh, Live food, music, yeah. magician. That's and the good. only request, really, is if you can drop in any little gifts to Joseph's Hair Salon on the Glashing Road. That will really complete and put the icing on the cake of the day for everybody. Megan, thanks very much thanks, for your support. Thanks, Joe. Brendan, all the staff in there and all your listeners. Appreciate it. You've got a very big heart, my friend. Take a bow. Thank you, my friend. Thanks Thanks a million. Cheers. Bye-bye. 19 minutes to midday. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. Coming up on a quarter to 12, uh, Aliona. I hope I get uh, the pronunciation correct. There's on line one. Aliona or Aliona? Aliona. Aliona, I got it right the first time, okay. Yeah, uh, perfect. Yeah. One of the most popular um, features, of course, cartoon features uh, for children over the last five or six years has been Frozen, and now they're all frozen. Yeah, they are. They really are. Uh, we're based in Dublin, and my daughter is going to a school in Dublin, uh, Dublin 6. And, um, yeah, it's just freezing. And she she's coming home, and, you know, she's saying, oh... She's kind of grateful that she's not sitting next to the window, mm-hmm. but she's saying her friends, you know, that uh, sitting next to me, the window is just. Uh, but it, even if she doesn't sit next to the window, it's, it's all the time the, the window's open. Um, they from last week they allow them to uh, wear the jacket. From last but, week. Yeah, yeah, um, but before that, you know, um, it, they were they weren't allowed um, and the teacher was uh, wearing a coat and, and that <laughs> obviously uh, made me more angry because you know how can you um, how how can they learn anything in, in, in the classes when they're sitting there and sure and that's so, yeah, it can be very heartening for you to watch the teacher all layered up and, and, and the kids not allowed to be so, th- so the schools are creating the environment and they have to because they're operating under, under Department of Education guidelines. They have to create the environment by which, unfortunately, uh, kids are going to get colds. Uh, these may, you know, these symptoms or runny noses may mask or they may overlap with COVID symptoms. And so kids going home with snuffles and flus are going to be told to get a COVID test. Uh, a lot of them don't come back very quickly because they've, you know, they've got chest infections or whatever. Yep. Um, but do you feel the human connection and empathy has been lost? It's kind of laws with no logic now? There's no human empathy anymore, uh, not only in schools. Overall, there is no human empathy. You know, we're going to, to I don't know, shopping centres and people looking at each other like, don't come close to me, don't... Uh, I don't know, it's just we lost the, the human connection in this <laughs> COVID-19. Okay, I'm going to bring Anastasia in here as well. Um, Anastasia, good morning to you. Uh, hi, Neil. How are you? I'm good. Now, you're a little shy. I heard are you. Don't don't be worried at all. It's just like having a chat. Tell I us about tell us about your yeah. son coming back from school upset. Stay with us, Aliona. Oh, it sure. I I know I noticed that last year. Now, um, I didn't realise it was a problem until I collected him from school one day, and he seemed to be a bit upset. And I said, "What's wrong with you?" And he said. Jesus, mum, he said, my hands are freezing. I, I'm literally sitting next to the window, as Aliona was saying. Now, her daughter, her son is lucky enough. Now, he's not sitting next to the window, but he was last year, and he said he was frozen. So I thought it was a big issue, so I brought it up to the teacher, and I said, um, what's the problem with the windows and the doors? Because they used to be in a port cabin being opened in school, and she told me it was a new rule due to COVID. But I said, obviously, they should have some sort of heating in the classroom because they're frozen. 
he's going to get cold and um, he's going to be sick. He's going to miss even more school. So mm. that's what I was told. And, and was your son allowed to wear layer to layer up in, in class? Allowed to wear jackets and coats and things? Well, they are, but I don't think it's it's very comfy. Like, imagine yourself now sitting in the studio uh, recording and having two or three jackets on yourself. You wouldn't be, you know, comfortable and, and stuff. So I think I think they should do something about it instead of telling kids to, to wear extra jumpers and fleeces. I think the doors and the windows should be kept closed unless, I don't know, um, they feel comfy in the jackets and stuff. But I don't think, I don't think it's going to work. Yeah, Aliona, what's the situation now in your in your child's school? Oh, it's same. Uh, windows completely, you know, fully open. Doors open. Um, she's she's layering up, but it's um, you know, it, it is uncomfortable to um, to I don't know to write to uh, concentrate on on the uh, classes when when you're staying there and freezing and shaking and you know. Um, She's constantly even cold in the house when she's coming. Like for the next two, three hours, the, the, the heating in the house is, is full on and she's, she is freezing. Like, so she's chilled like, to the bone, as they say. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And, and she's wearing tights. Because I, I was I'm seeing the, the comments, oh, the girls, they don't want to wear tights. No, she's wearing really thick tights because they don't, they, they don't have uh, trousers. So she has to wear a, a skirt. Um, which she loves. Well, should, shouldn't that skirt skirt rule be thrown out the window in, in, in the current conditions? You can't expect to be wearing a skirt with you know windows and doors fully open, and and say yeah, say that exactly. t- tights will keep you warm. Should tights won't keep you warm at all. You know, but it's it's better than nothing. I guess. So you know, uh, and then you know they can't wear uh, like I don't know some a furry boots or something because they have to be all black and so the shoes is also something that is not really uh, warm because, you know, the, the school wear the uniform. So basically, we're very limited on, on, on this uh, things. I don't know. I understand this COVID. I understand, but... I honestly is- can't understand, uh, Aliona and Anastasia. I honestly can't understand this um, adherence to school uniform policy when when windows and doors have to, for public health reasons in a global pandemic, be left open and the cold of winter whistling through the class that any principal would insist on uh, adherence to school uniform uh, when warmth is what's the yeah. prerequisite of the child in question. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, but I mean, I understand that, you know, COVID rules and everything, but every day kids going home and they think sick. So then they get, they getting told, oh, it might be COVID. Go and uh, test and then go and isolate yourself. So they're losing a lot of, you know, classes now, especially for example, this week she's she's having her um, uh, tests, uh, loads of tests. She can't like she, you know, and and just two weeks ago she was uh, getting a cold. She didn't want to miss the the classes because she said, mm-hmm. "I'm gonna, you know, miss important." You're gonna fall behind. And, then, and, and are either of you in a position? Uh, are, are are both? Are you both working as parents? Anastasia, are you and your partner working? Yes. Yeah. Okay, and and Aliola, yes. you're you're, yeah, you're the same. I am, yeah, I'm working also full time. Yeah, I'm I'm lucky again to work in the evening. So um, during the day, if anything happens in, in the school or, or she get cold or something, I can just uh, pick her up. But if, this is very you know few parents in in this position. So if you work in full time, you know during the day, your kid is. 
I can imagine if one parent was, was able to be at home, it might appeal to them more to keep the child out of school than put the child through, uh, you know, such cold and such torture, temperature-wise, in school. Exactly. I, I'm a single parent, so, you know, um, it's it's all on me. If it's not me, there is no one else. Yeah, okay. So, it's 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 even more difficult, you know. All right. Um, I, I, I didn't reach out to the principal yet. Um, but I think uh, I don't see how the principal principal will change this COVID nineteen rules. It's a huge um, issue, ladies, and and I don't know that there's a solution at, at hand very quickly here. We're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place between the necessity to uphold public health guidelines and the necessity to keep children in school. Unfortunately, it's the children who are suffering, temperature-wise at least. Uh, but listen, thank you both for for coming on the air this morning, Aliola and Anastasia. Two very unusual and beautiful names, but thank you very much. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank Thanks. You. Bye-bye. Now, the Neil Prendival Show has a fabulous competition running round two today is for our uh, 200 euro voucher for Homefront Giftware and Interiors. It's a Cork family business specialising in all your giftware and interior needs. And we've had a massive response to the uh, opening of the lines the last time. So we'll open them right now again. Uh, we're going to bring two callers on there. You're going to be asked a Christmassy question. And the closest to the pin, as they say in golf, closest to the correct answer as a percentage will win. We're going to play the game twice uh, during the show. So two winners per show. This is number two uh, today. And we'll give you the round two question as soon as we have our callers on the air. And you can check out the uh, Homefront Giftware Brand new website at www.homefrontgiftware.ie. There have been an inordinate amount of contact with this program regarding hotel cancellations, gouging of pricing on the Garth Brooks concert. I'm surprised as well how many people still call him Gareth. G-A-R-E-T-H, Gareth Brooks, when it's G-A-R-T-H, Garth Brooks. Uh, Hi, Neil, I had the Croke Park Hotel booked for the 9th of September and the 10th of September through Booking.com. Two individual bookings. As soon as rumours broke of the dates the concerts were going ahead, the hotel cancelled both of my reservations and stated the hotel was overbooked. No hotel operates this way. Yes, they might overbook to allow for cancellations to drop off, but they would wait until closer to the date before doing so. I was paying €177 per night. I have a different hotel booked for that weekend now for €400 a night. And I'm afraid, in case the same thing happens, uh, says Alva. Uh, Hi Mick, I spent Thursday, hours on Thursday in a queue for tickets for any of the five concerts, but was left devastated when all that was available to me were the Vertigo ones, which I suffer from. Uh, I've also been a fan of Garth since the early 80s, when Mr. Shea Healy used to have a program on RTE, which featured mostly American country. I managed to secure tickets for the third concert for 2014, so you can imagine my disappointment when they were cancelled. So I needed the five years to forgive him for that fiasco. Uh, it wasn't Garth's fault, believe me. Uh, I hope Mr. Ken O'Flynn has some friends in low places to bring Garth to Cork and I can try again, says Helen. That might be an answer, actually, if Garth Brooks came to Cork. Um, by the way, we are getting reports of traffic delays in McCroom. 45 minutes to get through. 45 minutes to get through in McCroom. So allow for that if you're travelling uh, between Cork and Killarney or points west today. Tracy Donovan and Carrigaline, good morning to you. Hi, good morning, how are you? Very good, and Nuala McCarthy and Toker, good morning to you. Morning, Mick. How's it going? Very good, thank All you. right then, uh, one of you is going to be very happy, one of you won't win, I'm afraid, but that's the that's the way it goes. I can only be... Ah, yeah. uh, isn't that great? Very Christmassy of you. 
200 euro voucher for Homefront Giftware and Interiors at homefrontgiftware.ie. Closest to the pin, ladies. Okay, so here we go. Um, now, who was first in? It was Tracy Donovan first in, so we'll go with first and give you the chance first. But you at least have an equal opportunity, Tracy, okay? So here we go with the question. According to a 2019 survey in the USA, what percentage of Americans said it was acceptable to put up Christmas decorations in October? Now, listen carefully again, right? According to a 2019 survey in the USA, what percentage of Americans said it was acceptable to put up a Christmas decorations in October? Tracy, percentage? Um, say 60%. And Nula, give us your percentage. 55 it was 43%. Nula, you are the winner. Sorry, Tracy. No, thank uh, you. Thanks a million. Nula McCarthy and Toker, we'll whiz that uh, voucher to you. In the meantime, you can check it out on homefrontgiftware.ie, okay? Thanks so Thanks much. a million. Cheers. Bye-bye. Family-owned business uh, established in Carrigaline in 1999. Now six Cork locations, Carrigaline, Bandon, Middleton, Wilton, Douglas and Blackpool. And uh, that's our second 200 euro voucher for today. Uh, we've got news at midday on the way. My thanks to the show production team, Brenda Dennehy and Seamus Whelan and Mark Willington. Back on the Neil Prendival Show after news at nine in the morning. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.